Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Look at Eller flying right back in. He'll shoot. That's blocked. Garland overskates. Carlson keeps it alive. Puck on a string. It's Riley Smith to the net. Across Eller. Oh, what a save. Rebound. Score! in Vancouver and these Penguins got that passion they got that heart and down two of their best players they have beaten the best team in the NHL in OT Eric Carlson the hero real proud of him I, I just thought we we had a certain you know resilience about us all night long you know we get down a couple of goals we just stayed with it just kept competing um and, and I think we're capable of coming back in games, you know, and, and tonight was was evidence against a really good team. So I, I thought it was a really good hockey game. That was one of the faster paced games uh, that we've been invo- involved with lately. And uh, I thought our guys competed hard. I, I was real proud of them tonight. Texter, green eggs and ham from Dr. Seuss. Another good one. Yep, very good one. Chime in all morning long on fictional foods that you wanted to eat in real life. And you could tweet us at underscore Adam Crowley at score and Doran brought to you by South Hills Kia in Peters Township. Visit them at southhillskia.net. That was a really impressive victory for the Penguins last night. I don't think even the most pessimistic of Penguins fans can look at that and not be impressed. You're down two to nothing. You claw your way back. You make it two, two, you score a power play goal. But the way the Penguins always seem to lose momentum, they give up a shorthanded goal. Now they're third in the last five games they've allowed in that variety. But they're down 3-2 to two going into the third period. They tie it, and then something that they also haven't done a lot of this year, they actually win in overtime. And the guy that a lot of people have been disappointed by, Eric Carlson, with the winner. First, before we get into the broader conversation here, Doran, that's a nails victory for the Penguins against... The best team in terms of points in the entirety of the NHL. Yeah, you're traveling, you know, uh, you know far obviously the West Coast area, and you know that's uh, you, you grind it out. You get a win in overtime. That's something that's tough to do, especially now that you have to come back tomorrow and play Seattle, and then you got to go to Calgary. I mean, this is a long trip, and it's a, a it's a 
soul searching trip. And we asked a lot of questions of this Penguins team over this uh, season, and a lot of things were answered in that game. Not going to say that they're going to be answered in the long term right. as the rest of the season goes, but you get a, a goal from your bottom six in, in Lars Eller. You get a goal from a guy that you acquired and didn't think that this far he fit the system, didn't you know play up to par in Carlson. You get two goals from Ricard Raquel, a guy who you know had a goal the game before that, so three goals in two games, and really hasn't done that much all, all the way up to that point. So you uh, and then you score a power play goal, uh, and you get the win. So like the things that you were looking at that were negatives were a positive last night, and you had to travel, and you know what's uh, at stake in front of you. I thought it was a very very impressive win. Now let's see uh, as we roll into the bigger picture. Let's see if they can follow that up. Let's see if they can do that again. Tristan Jari, you don't want to sleep on his performance either. Gave up three goals, had 32 saves. And prior to that sequence you heard there at the top of the show where Carlson buries a rebound to win the game, Tristan Jari made an unbelievable save with his toe. He was really good. He gave up three, fine, but he was really good. His save percentage in the game, 914, stopped 32 out of 35 shots. They don't win the game without Tristan Jari playing well. So now the broader question. Let's say the Penguins win out before the deadline. Or let's say the Penguins win four of their next five games prior to the deadline. But they don't make up any ground in the standings. What do you do at that point if you're Kyle Dubas? Because the performance of the club would dictate, hey, we shouldn't sell. We might have a chance because we can stay hot. But then the math, with only 21 games remaining, would make it really tough for the Penguins to make the playoffs. Like case in point, last night was good for away because, of course, the Penguins got two points. Tampa didn't get two points, but they played Philadelphia, so Philly got two. So you win, and you gain no ground on Philadelphia. You're gaining no ground on the Red Wings, who are playing really good hockey at this point. You can concoct a scenario where the Penguins continue a winning streak here and yet still don't find themselves on March 8th when the deadline is in all that much better of a standings position. What do you do then if you're Kyle Dubas? 412-928-9370. Ah, man. That is a very interesting scenario. Very interesting. I think I still would stay put. I still would stay put. Because of foundation reasons, maybe. I don't, I, I'm, I've been searching all morning. You brought this up right when we walked in. And I was like, this is a very, very good point. And I can't really – I would stay put just for foundational reasons uh, at this point and then hope that you can carry this and figure something out and something else does fall your way, and then you continue to play good hockey and hopefully you find your way into the playoffs. I think I would – right now, if I were Dubas, I would stay put if this were the scenario. What yeah. would you do? If you get hot, you'd stay put. That's what Doran says. Yes. What do you say? Four one two nine two eight nine three seven zero. The Fan Morning Show brought to you by Armstrong Comfort with Matt Mertz Plumbing. If they're still seven points back on March 8th with 21 games to go or nine points somewhere in that area, I'm still trading Jake Gensel. I'm still trying to find a suitor, I think, for Ricard Raquel because I, I still don't think that they're likely to make the playoffs. Even if they're playing great, it would mean that they're still not likely to make the playoffs. If they make the playoffs, are they going to win the Stanley Cup this year? No, it's just it's not going to happen. I don't think that they would even win the first-round playoff series. Matchup dependent, but I don't think they would win that. I think you have to try to, if you're Kyle Dubas, keep this window open as long as possible. 
And oddly, I think that means you got to trade Jake Gensel. And you got to trade Raquel. You're not going to be able to trade Brian Russ now. He's got certain levels of uh, no-move clause, and he's also injured. He's out week to week. Mike Sullivan said that yesterday. What's going on with my voice? Mm. That's not a good thing, both the voice and Brian Russ not being able to be traded. And he said, according to Elliot Friedman of the 32 Thoughts podcast, who's a tapped-in NHL insider, that Dubas doesn't really want to talk to any of his guys about waiving no-movement clauses. And a lot of the players on this team have partial no-move clauses, like Brian Rust. So, you're not going to be able to move everybody. But I would still, if they're nine points out, if they're seven points out at the deadline, even if they're playing well, I'd still try to move on from Jake Gensel. And hope that the return for Gensel, a potential return for Ricard Raquel, and a change of scenery for him, and he's all of a sudden hot. Right. I would hope that that would net enough in terms of prospects and enough in terms of pick to either be able to use those picks to help the club next year or be able to trade those picks to be able to help the club next year. And then the salary cap space would be able to help the club next year. I would still move Gensel. I I, I don't know what you could get for this guy, but there's one guy that I would absolutely, no matter what the scenario is, get off the books. That's Riley Smith. From everything I'm hearing, he doesn't even want to be here. Yeah. Um, that, those are rumors. I don't know that for a fact, obviously, but that's a, that's a rumor going around that he doesn't want to be here, didn't want to be here from the get-go. So if he doesn't want to be here, I would see what I could get for him regardless of where we're at. Yeah. Regardless. I'm with you. If you don't want to be here, yeah. then I don't want you here. And his statistics aren't up to the standard that that guy has set in the NHL. He's been a really good playoff performer, was for Vegas, won the Stanley Cup with them last year, has put together really good regular seasons. That has not happened for him this year. And I don't think it's because he's not that good of a hockey player. In fact, I think the opposite. He is a good hockey player. I just don't think his heart's in it. I, I don't believe he's not trying. Right. But... If you don't want to be somewhere, the human side of things is you're not going to be as good. You're not going to be as bought in. You're not going to believe. And he knows what it takes to win the championship. He did it last year. He knows this team's not up for it. So, yeah, I'd try to move him no matter what. I don't know that you'd get a lot for him, but he signed not just this year. He's also signed next year. You'd get some cap relief there. It's interesting to me that the two pe biggest Penguins trade chips that aren't the goaltenders have now been moved up to the Crosby line. Mm -hmm. You know, Necessity is the mother of invention. That's a saying. It's one of my favorite sayings. You wouldn't see Riley Smith up with Sidney Crosby if not for the injuries. You wouldn't see Ricard Raquel get this prolonged look with, with Sidney Crosby if not for the injuries. And all of a sudden, Ricard Raquel, maybe his trade value is going up. He's got three goals in two games because he's playing with one of the best players on planet Earth maybe he can do enough between now and that deadline that Ricard Raquel, well, we want to catch lightning in a bottle. He's a guy that scored 30 goals in the NHL before. He scored 27 goals last year. Now he's looking like a good impact player again. Maybe he can play his way into actually being a good trade chip for the Pittsburgh Penguins. See, my, my, my issue is, is why not do this earlier? And you mentioned the, uh, the even the injuries, but things weren't working before. Like, this is what my issue is with Sullivan. Like, mm -hmm. you know, why not? Why, why not? Why not? Um, you know, move around the lines a little bit yeah. and do something like this before. And you know what? You made a good point off the air, Doran, that Crosby's showing inability to just be able to play with anybody. You know, Ricard Raquel scores two goals. I understand one was on the power play, but he played with Sidney Crosby last night. Riley Smith played with Sidney Crosby last night. If they keep Jake Gensel, your idea was when he comes back, play him with Malkin. Yes. Crosby's line's going to be productive no matter what because 87 still has it. Malkin's got one goal now in 20 games. 
Jake Gensel is the second most prolific goal scorer on the Penguins if, in fact, they do keep him. If the Penguins do get hot before the deadline, they should play Gensel with Malk, and I think yes. that's a really good idea. Yeah, I think it elevates the unit, and you know, you are you're going all in, really, uh, in a way with your top unit. So uh, you know, move Gensel down, and you know, we were going back and forth a little bit. I mean, not not in a bad way, but we were talking. And it was funny. You're like, oh, would that upset Sidney Crosby that Jake Gensel's not on his line? And I was like, well, at least he'd be here. And I think Crosby would be okay with that as long as Jake Gensel's still here. Move him down to the second line with Malkin. See if you can get a spark. If that's like the last resort. And you know, maybe you have something with your top two lines and you can figure it out moving forward. Yeah. If they keep Gensel, I would do that. I think that's a really good idea. Texter, we're talking about fictional foods that we'd like to eat in real life. The peach on James and the Giant Peach. Yes. Does look appetizing. Also, one of the more, one of the weirder movies I've ever seen. Very weird. Creep me out. Never liked it as a kid, but the peach does look good. What about the, the sploosh from uh, Holes? The what? Sploosh. It's called... It was in the jar. It was the peaches in the jar, but it was like a, a kind of like a, a drink. Yeah, and it sat there ruminating for years and years and years, yeah. and it's supposed to taste delicious. Isn't that what it's called, sploosh? I think so. Okay. It's also very close to a word we're not allowed to say on the radio, so I got nervous there. Yeah, I saw that. Coming up next at 412-928-9370, we'd like you to weigh in on that hypothetical. If the Penguins win out before the deadline, so they're hot, that means they've won eight in a row, or let's say they've won seven out of eight before the deadline but they don't make any headway in the standings, what would you do if you're Kyle Dubas? 412-928-9370. Your reaction on that coming up next. And the trade value of one guy in particular, I think going up, up, up. What if the Penguins win all their games between now and the deadline, but make no headway in the standings? What would you do? 412-928-9370. If you were Kyle Dubas, Doran says at that point, he would kind of stand pat, with the exception of Riley Smith, who clearly doesn't want to be here, according to Rob Rossi and Emily Kaplan. I say you got to move on from Gensel, and if you can find a taker for Ricard Raquel, you got to do that, because math wouldn't be on your side with 21 games to go. What do you say? 412-928-9370. A couple of notes from last night's game. Carlson on the game winner. That's the damn guy that you wanted all year long. Yep. He walks two dudes at the blue line. I think the goal call from Josh Getzoff was puck on a string, and it absolutely was. And then the goal that Raquel scored five on five. Listen, the five on three goal was beautiful. Backdoor tap in, nice feed from Sid. The five on five goal from Raquel was absolutely gorgeous, where he stayed with the puck and found a way to bury it in the back of the net. I do wonder how much his value can go up between now and the deadline. Because he has had a terrible season. Yeah. After a really good year last year, he had 60 points, 27 goals for the Penguins last season. I actually didn't mind the contract. When they handed it out, I thought, okay, he scored 27 goals. Playing with Crosby, playing with Malkin, playing perhaps on that power play, he'd be able to replicate that. Hasn't happened. But if he can score a few more goals between now and the deadline and you're a team that needs to add some punch to your top six, or you really want to add some punch to your bottom six, and you feel like you're that close, I could see Raquel being a commodity. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going up right now. It's trending upwards. I mean, why wouldn't it be? I mean, three goals in two games, and, uh, you know, you say he if, if he repeats that, you know, say the next two games tomorrow and then on Saturday, uh, his, his value is going to go through the roof, I think. Not through the roof, but he's going to go up significantly. Now, you're not going to acquire him just as – 
somebody that can help you make the playoffs this year and contend, you'd be tied to him for a very long mm-hmm. time. That's part of this, but he's an intriguing enough player for me if I'm a general manager that if I see he can still have it and hasn't fallen off a cliff, that I'd think about that. You'd probably want some salary retained or you'd find a third team to get some salary retained, whatever. But if he scores at a prodigious clip between now and the deadline, yeah, I think he would be he would be a commodity. And we also know it's why Rust would have been, I think, hot on the market if the Penguins would ask him to waive that clause. Guys that have performed in big moments, teams are always looking for that experience. And Riley Smith's got that. Yeah. Playoff performer, won the cup last year. I don't know that only Vegas would be interested in him. Like Patrick Hornquist was one of those guys when the Penguins traded him. Like you want him because he adds experience. If you are the Red Wings and you're young, and I know that you've got Patrick Kane to provide some of this, a three time Stanley Cup winner. But if you're the Red Wings and you're a young team and you're finally, you think, have arrived, I think a guy like a Riley Smith would be somebody that you covet. That's why Jake Gensel's such a commodity. A 40-goal scorer who also has shown the ability to be a playoff game-breaker. Yeah, yeah, to score in big moments and to, to show up in big moments. Yep. And like you said, Riley Smith does bring that. And he brings, you know, the the other stuff too. The the knowing how to get there, the <clears throat> the structure of how to get there, uh, you know, playing at that level and knowing that it's a different type of game whenever you do make it to the playoffs than it is in the regular season. Um, if you're a young team, that does that definitely helps. And you know, Jake Gensel, see, like, I don't know. I, I, I'm really worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole. Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. I feel like if they do win the games that are necessary down the stretch up until the trade deadline, and your scenario happens, I, I, I'm keeping Gensel and I'm moving him to the second line. Like, I'm, I'm still there. Mm-hmm. I'm still... To spark Malkin. To spark Malkin, yes. I think our conversations different than the one I'm about to throw out there now. It's like you said if they win these games between now and the deadline, even if they don't make a dent in the standings, you would keep Gensel. I say you trade Gensel basically no matter what. I think Kyle Dubas agrees with you, though. 
he used the word respect. Yeah. Elliot Friedman said that he thinks these Penguins have earned the right to be able to bide his time, and they've earned the right to be able to compete to make the playoffs. I think even if they don't make a dent in the standings, he might be more inclined to keep Gensel because of the word earned, Mm -hmm. because of the word respect. Mm Mm-hmm. I think he'd have a hard time if they've won eight games in a row or seven out of eight going into the deadline saying, all right, boys, sorry, we're getting rid of Jake Gensel. Yeah, and uh, like the respecting and the earned thing, I mean, do, like perception-wise, I, I think it would be tough to sit there and trade Jake Gensel knowing that he hadn't played in a month, too. Like, like we saw his last game a while ago, and then he's just gone. Like, that is not – if you're thinking of respect and earned, that's not a way to go about it. But I know you need to make moves – but that's just not a way I don't think that Dubas wants to operate. Well, and I, I've been thinking about this too, Doran. If there's no assurance that Gensel will sign a deal wherever he lands, like if there's not a handshake agreement, hey, we're going to give this up for Jake, and we're also going to sign him to an extension, I do think the injury really hurts his value if he's only a rental. Because you don't know what version of him you're going to get. Mm-hmm. If there's no assurance he's going to be there for the long haul wherever he lands... It's tough to pull a trigger on a guy that's a rental then that has a messed up wrist and that can abs- that that affects you big time. Like even if he comes back and he would come back healthy, you're talking about a guy that's going to affect your shot, is mm-hmm. that going to affect his willingness to go to corners, that can affect his his ability to hold on the pucks. Like you just don't know and you're not going to have the ability to have him showcase before the deadline. Right. So if you are going to move Gensel and you're going to get the haul that you really need to move on from this guy, you're going to have to almost have that assurance if you're the, the team that trades for him that he's going to be there long term. And I don't know that you're going to get that. Coming up next, so the Penguins won their must-win game. And they feel like they're all must-win games on this road trip before the trade deadline. Pitt, well, they dropped theirs. And I think if you're a diehard Pitt fan, you'd have to say the missed chances in that game. You're going to be thinking about potentially all offseason. We'll get to that coming up next. At eight seconds left. And are the Panthers going to foul? Nope. They're just going to let it wind out. Clemson wins it by a final of 69-62. They were favored by seven. They won by seven. And unfortunately, the Panthers did not have what it takes coming down the stretch to pull this one out. Yeah, Billy hit on it there, man. We were talking about this before the show, Doran. Vegas knows. They just know. And that game was... Touch and go, really, the whole way. It was within one possession the whole way. Mm -hmm. And then ultimately they win by seven because Vegas said it was going to be between six and a half and seven and a half. Unbelievable how they do that. But that's not the big story. The big story is Pitt had, in a lot of people's minds, two must-win road games if they wanted to cement their chances of going to the NCAA tournament. They go on the road to Wake, get blown out. This game, they absolutely did not get blown out. In fact, it was there for the taking, but they lose they're now 18 and 10. They have the eighth spot right now in the ACC. And it looks it looks like their tournament hopes are all but squashed unless they were to maybe win the ACC tournament. They needed more, obviously, from Blake Henson. And we were talking a little bit off air, too, that there are times when Blake Henson's taken out of the game that Capel and his staff, doesn't they don't adjust to create things for him. 
And we didn't see that really at all last night. He was just taking me at six points in 36 minutes, six points, one rebound. I mean, he has to be upwards of 20 points for them to win basketball games, even though, you know, Bub Carrington had 18, Lowe had 11, and, and Leggett had 15. Those numbers are great whenever Henson is of, you know, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27. Like, he needs to be the focal point. Like, it is what it is. And we, you know, it, it's been that case all year, and he just didn't have enough. Last night, nothing was created for him. And you said it, Crowley. I mean, they, they were in this game. Oh, I mean, man. At halftime, they were in it. Obviously, they were up at halftime. And then, you know, it was really a back and forth, back and forth. And then the last, like, two, three minutes of the game, that's where Clemson took over. Um, you know, I thought that they I thought that they were going to show that they could fight back. They did at times, but just not enough at the end. So it's going to be a, a, a tough road to see them make it to the NCAA tournament. They're going to have to do a lot. They're going to have to obviously win these next three games. Right. And then they're going to have to do – and do some damage, some serious damage in the ACC tournament to have some hope of making the tournament. Yeah, I think if they were to do some damage in the ACC tournament after winning these three, they would put themselves in a position to be considered. But I don't know if that'll even be enough. You look at Joe Lenardi, and he had them on the next next four out. I follow a whole bunch of bracketologists. They're kind of in that spot in a lot of those websites. And the schedule doesn't provide any more opportunities. Like, they are now can't-lose games, but I wouldn't put them in the must-win category, if that makes sense. As stupid as it sounds coming out of my mouth, the best net ranking of their final three opponents now is 77. So there's no quad one victories left. Now, if they do finish in the eighth spot in the ACC standings, they would get Syracuse. That'd be a decent win if they were able to get that done in the ACC tournament. They would then play North Carolina which would be a great opportunity. It's also the one team I wouldn't want to see if I'm Pitt. Like they beat Duke already. They beat Virginia, and I feel really good that they would beat Virginia again. But now they'd have to probably play North Carolina early on in the ACC tournament. It's just going to be tough for them. And you're right about Hinson. I asked Jeff this yesterday. I said, is it as simple as if Pitt hits threes, they win. If they don't, they lose. Really, we're talking about Hinson there. Yeah. And if you would have told me before the game he goes 0 for 4, 6 points, nobody would have thought that they'd have a shot. So I do think there's a positive to take from there it. Is. That, hey, they were there. If Blake Hinson had played better, they would have won the game. I do think coming out of timeouts, when you've got time to draw up some sets, try to find a way to get him a clean look. Come up with something. We've seen them do it at times this year, not consistently enough. I think part of it is he needs to do a better job. But you also need to find a way to scheme him some open shots. And they did not do a good enough job of that. And so now they're 18-10. and 10. And you asked the question yesterday, if they don't make the tournament, is it a disappointment? I think you and I were in agreement that it's not a disappointment. I'll tell you one of the reasons why. Carrington, 3 of 4 from 3, he made some huge shots in the game. The problem yep. with youth... If he hits a couple of his layups, yes. If they hit layups in the first half, yes. They could have had a double-digit lead at halftime, and then you make it really tough on Clemson to come back. That—that's why I look at it as a missed opportunity. Because if you could have gotten a little bit more from Henson, you win. If you could have converted on some of those layups in the first half, you probably win the game. It's going to be tough, you know. It is, but I, I like you said, uh, the question to Jeff yesterday. Is this a disappointment if they don't make it to the tournament? I, I mean, no. I mean, looking what they got out of their guard play this year, and you know, especially two young guys, and um, but underneath, like Federico, Federico, he, he, you know, he's got to get stronger. I mean, he, he's got to dominate the boards. He can. He, 
to me, like I, I watch it, I'm like, he can be a really good player. But it's either confidence, it's 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 you know, strength, it's something that, you know, he just doesn't I mean, having what did he have? He had four rebounds. I mean, he needs to be ten rebounds. Yeah, he does. And like, it it's tough to say that I don't like doing this with college guys, right? Because they're college guys. Now, NIL changes it a little bit because they're getting some money, so you feel like you can criticize them a little bit more. The way I look at Federico is he's my number two guy at the five. Like, if he's if he's your second center, I think you're in a really good spot. Mm-hmm. But they had him play 23 minutes last night. That's just... he He's going to have some blocks. He always does. He's going to contribute with a few rebounds. But I, I just... I don't think he's a guy you want in your starting lineup day in and day out. I just don't. Uh, no offense to you, Federico, Federico. I think you got a place on a Power 5 team. I just don't think he should be starting. Mm-hmm. And that's an area that they'll need to improve next year. The other thing is, when we talk about disappointment, if Carrington and Lowe come back, it's not a disappointment. No. It, it's frustrating because you'd have missed out on Blake Hinson, who's really having a conference player of the year type season. To not have him in the tournament is frustrating for Pitt. But you can also look at it with Carrington and with Lowe as a growing pain season. And if they come back, they're a wonderful nucleus to build a tournament team around next year. No doubt. No doubt about it. Now, I think Jeff Capel, like his guys like to play for him. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think, I think he'll be able to sell them on staying. The question then is the dollars. Like does Louisville, who, we'll see who they hire as a coach. Do they come calling? Because they got NIL money to spend. Does a big-time program throw a ton of money at these guys? The answer is going to be yes. Can Pitt find a way to have the money be fairly equal to where Jeff Capel can be the tiebreaker? Right. And if those guys come back, it's not a lost season. If they don't, then I think it's a different conversation. Then I think you can say it's a a disappointing year. And they hadn't met expectations. Agreed? I 100 million percent agree. I'll tell you what, though. Those two guys, mid-range... The ball leaves their hand. You don't think for a second they're missing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's in. It's in. In. When their straight line drives, their athleticism, they're only going to get better. You've got That's the whole offseason right there. Absolutely, man. Like, I mean, whatever you take from the season, you got to take that. We need to get those guys back because just like you said, like if we get those guys back, we can build around them. Mm-hmm. That, they're, they're building blocks for the pit basketball team. They are building blocks for the future, and at least next year for the pit basketball team, you got to get those guys back. You know, here's a texture. They're eighth in a terrible conference. It's definitely a disappointment. I'm not in agreement with this group think echo chamber nonsense that the ACC is that bad. I just I don't buy it. I watch Big 12 basketball every night. I watch ACC basketball every night. I think they're both really good conferences. Different styles of play. The ACC, I think, is a really good basketball conference. Pitt's a good basketball team. I think Syracuse is an okay basketball team. Wake Forest should be cemented in the tournament. And I saw they're in the last four in. That's a good team. Clemson, we just saw a good team. Duke's a good team. NC State's a tough out. Like It's not a bad league. They're eighth in the conference. I get it. And that's frustrating. They're also playing basketball that matters with a young roster. You've got Mm -hmm. Blake Hinson. It's a young roster. That's a reality. They wouldn't have lost to Missouri if they played them now. And that might be a loss that keeps them out of the tournament. It's the worst team, maybe, one of them, in Power 5. They would not have lost that game if they played them now. But they lost it because they were young early. 
You have to look at this thing. You can't just say, oh, they're eighth in the conference. No, the context, I think, matters. And I'm not sitting here as a pit defender. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Coming up next, the NFL Combine, baby, in full swing, which means you've got coaches talking, you've got GMs talking. How about a former GM that says there is a quarterback out there that if he were to join the Pittsburgh Steelers would make them an immediate championship contender? Do we agree with that? Who's the player? Who said it? We'll talk about it next. 50-minute mark on the fan brought to you by South Hills Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Route 19 in Peters Township celebrating 50 years in the South Hills. Ray Fittipaldo going to join us at 8 o'clock on the fan hotline presented by Sullivan Super Service, Pittsburgh trusted plumbing and HVAC provider for over 50 years. So it's the combine and nobody's working out yet. Nobody's running around in their underpants. So the newsy stuff is coming from general managers and head coaches who are all taking the podium. Unfortunately, Omar Khan had a death in the family, so he's been unable to be out there at this point. I don't know if he's going to be out there at any point. So well wishes go out to him, but Mm -hmm. that's why he hasn't talked yet. But Bucky Brooks, former NFL executive Doran, he was on NFL All Access, which is on the CW before ACC basketball games. He said that if Russell Wilson were to sign with the Pittsburgh Steelers, that he and the Steelers would be championship level. Seems like a bridge too far for me. A little bit. A little bit. A little bit. Would he be an upgrade on the field? Yeah. Does he also have off-the-field concerns? Yes. Here's why I disagree with Bucky, though. Because he basically said, and I'm paraphrasing here, all Russell would need to do is be a facilitator. They'll have a good scheme with Arthur Smith. They've got good weapons there. We saw what adequate quarterback play looked like when Mason Rudolph came in, came in at the end of the year for the Steelers. That was above-the-line quarterback play. And you know what it did? Got them beat in the first round by a team with elite quarterback play. Like, I know that Russell Wilson's better than Mason Rudolph. Well, it also got, in, got them into the playoffs. It did. Oh, for sure. And I think with Russell Wilson, this is a playoff team. I think with Russell Wilson last year, they're probably an 11 12 win team honestly I think with I think a little bit step farther and then we'll get back to the yeah, yeah. To the talk I think if Russell Wilson was on the Falcons they would have been a legit team I agree uh, with, with, with that. Arthur Smith I agree with that hey, people forget the reason why he was benched isn't because he stunk it's because of money mm-hmm. 26 touchdowns eight interceptions they didn't want him to get hurt in the last two games and then that money kicks in you're paying him 39 and a half million bucks or what more than that like it, It's a business decision here. It's not a he stinks decision. Would I like him at $1.3 million? The more I've thought about it, yes, I would. Yes. You take the risk, right, with some of the off-the-field stuff, and he's kind of a weird guy, and he didn't get along with Sean Payton. He definitely didn't get along with the coaching staff prior to Sean Payton. But to say that the Steelers would be championship quality with him, I think, is a bridge too far. He'd be better than what they have. He'd be a step above Mason Rudolph, but is a step above Mason Rudolph beating Josh Allen in the playoffs? Is it beating Patrick Mahomes? Is it beating maybe Aaron Rodgers next year? Or Burrow. Or Joe Burrow. I'm not going to throw Lamar Jackson in there because Steelers fans will say, they always beat them. Fair enough, fine. But the other teams. It gives you a puncher's chance. That's as far as I'd go to say. That's exactly what I was about to say. It gives you the best opportunity or the, the best scenario and opportunity to beat those teams, to beat those quarterbacks. Now, to and I mean, 
to to beat them is one thing, but to have the chance to beat them, like if if Russell Wilson was the quarterback and the Steelers went into Buffalo into Orchard Park and played that same game, Steelers might win that game. They might. They I might didn't win think, that game. I didn't think Rudolph was bad, but he wasn't bad. But you'd expect more from Russell. Yeah, yeah. Super Bowl winning quarterback. I mean, Russell Wilson. That was a really weird season last year by the Broncos because they give up. 70 points in a game to the Dolphins. And I left them for dead. But then they went on a five-game winning streak where they beat the Packers. They beat the Chiefs by 15 points. Mm -hmm. They did beat Buffalo. They beat Minnesota. They beat Cleveland, a playoff team. You can't convince me Russell Wilson's bad. You can't. And at $1.3 million, Doran, I'm starting to come around on it. Me too. Because think about this. If you're going to get Justin Fields, you give up a third-round pick or more. And then maybe, maybe not, but you could have to pick up that option, which would pay him like $25 bucks. If you were to sign Baker Mayfield, he's not a stopgap. He would be your guy. But you're paying $35, $40 bucks, whatever it is. Same thing with Kirk Cousins, but he would be probably more of a stopgap based on his age. If you want to build the best possible roster this offseason... And try to win for two years. The option might be R- Russell Wilson, because at one point three million bucks, that's 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 where it's at, Crowley. Like you if, can then spend money on everything else. If you are looking to build the best team, oh man, yes, we did this the other day. If you're looking to build the best team, how could you not do your due diligence of exploring Russell Wilson being on this roster for the price, man? Or the price. It makes, when you talk it out, it makes a ton of sense. The the only reason I would still prefer Fields is because you're taking a shot at your guy guy for the next decade. Youth, too. Youth. That's exactly right. He'd have to prove himself. He'd have to be better than he was in Chicago. The ceiling is tantalizing. You would be getting him because you thought he could be your forever quarterback, for lack of a better phrase. Russell Wilson, with what you can put around him, he's not going to be your forever quarterback. He'd be a stopgap guy. You'd be having these same conversations a few years from now, but he, with what he'd cost and what you'd be able to put around him, would probably give you the best chance to win this year. I've come fully around on this. Sometimes within seasons, seasons are assessment for what it could look like moving forward. And not to say that the Steelers, and you know, Steelers are never going to bottom out. They're never going to really rebuild. But they're in a, that weird area right now because they're not, you know, the upper echelon. They're not really in the lower echelon. They're just kind of middling around, as we always say. 20th in the draft. If you get a Russell Wilson for 1.3 and say he's your starting quarterback and he takes you to, say, an AFC championship game, not only, and, and you're getting him, he's almost like he's a rental, basically. Now you have the knowledge and assessment that we got this close to Russell Wilson. This is the type of quarterback that fits the offense that we need moving forward. So now we're going to go find a young guy that is just like Russell Wilson moving forward, and then we can build our franchise, rebuild in a way our franchise around that because now we have the foundation for that. And it would show you that you are really a quarterback away if that hypothetical were to play out and you would advance in the playoffs. Oh, yeah, the roster was pretty good. You just needed competent quarterback play or above-average quarterback play, and look at what they could do. All right, we'll keep talking about that coming up next. You can chime in, 412-928-9370. Also, the hot name right now, not just for the Steelers, but anytime you turn on ESPN or NFL Network or you go on ESPN.com or CBS.com or NFL.com, that's Justin Fields. Well, 
the longest tenured Steelers beat writer, wrote what he thought was a column saying all the reasons why it doesn't make sense for Justin Fields in Pittsburgh. I wonder if you hear it the way we read it. We'll talk about that coming up next. Fan weather brought to you by Sun Chevrolet. Check out special financing for qualified buyers on new Silverado 1500 trucks. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. 703, it's time to stop blindly paying those increasing auto and home insurance premiums. Contact the Buell Insurance Agency in Gibsonia and see what they could do for you. 412-928-9370. And do you agree with Bucky Brooks? Former NFL exec that says Russell Wilson could be a championship-caliber quarterback with the Pittsburgh Steelers. 412-928-9370. Places to chime in. Fan Twitter brought to you by South Hills Kia and Peters Township. Visit them online at southhillskia.net. And the text line 412-928-9370 brought to you by Edgar Snyder & Associates, a personal injury law firm where they always say there's never a fee unless we get money for you. One possible option for the Steelers at quarterback now to another. The Chicago Bears... They probably would like to trade Justin Fields. Here's their general manager yesterday, Ryan Poles, talking about Fields. When do you want to know what you're going to do? Tomorrow. <laughs> no, in all seriousness, though, before no, free agency? Or, or? I would love to know as soon as possible. Right. I mean, I, mean, I would love to know, um, but I know that's not how the process works. Um, you know, there's sure before free agency would be good. Like I said, I'm also taking, um, you know, if we were to do something with Justin, like I want to do right by him. Um, and I know, again, living in that gray space, you would want to do something sooner rather than later. Um, but just like I talk about with contracts, it takes two teams to figure that out. Um, but at the same time, we're also trying to figure out the draft process as well. So there's a lot of different things with different timelines going, and that's what makes it a little bit difficult. So you got classic rock playing yeah, in the well, background. <laughs> Well, it's like mall music, walking around at the convention center there in Indianapolis for the NFL Combine. You got media members traipsing around in varying degrees of bizarre media member outfits and attires. So you got to keep them happy with the classic rock. But Ryan Pohl said, yeah, we'd like to have a decision made on this real soon. Okay, now jump to Pittsburgh, where the longest tenured beat writer for the Steelers, Jerry Dulac, wrote this. 
Three reasons a Fields trade doesn't make sense. Oh, this should be good. Yeah, real good, right? Jerry's tapped in. Uh-huh. I'm sure he's going to come up with three legitimate reasons here why the Steelers should not trade for Justin Fields. Shall I go through the three reasons for you, Doran Dickerson? Please do. I'm going to. Number one, Kenny Pickett would be finished. That's the number one reason for Jerry Dulac why you can't trade for Justin Fields. He'd be finished, that guy. And he's not talking about just on the field. He says mentally he'd be finished, too. It would be a big blow to the ego of Kenny Pickett. See, that to me is not the number one reason you don't trade for Justin Fields. That would be the number one reason you do trade for Justin Fields. I'll be clear. If Kenny Pickett is the starting quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers this year with a new offensive coordinator and the talent they have at their disposal, if that's the decision they've made, I'm going to get fully behind Kenny, and I'm going to hope he can turn his career around. Yes. But you would be trading for Justin Fields because he's a higher ceiling player than Kenny Pickett. You would be doing so because you don't feel like Kenny Pickett has shown you in two years he can be an NFL caliber starting quarterback. That's not a reason not to trade for him. That's a reason to trade for him. And also, it's the urgency talk. You heard Art, Art too, say that you know we need to become more urgent. There needs to be urgency to do something in the playoffs. To, to be urgent, you know that you need a high – you don't have time to figure it out with Kenny if you're trying to be urgent. Like, not saying that Justin Fields is going to walk in here and just be this dynamic quarterback, but he does give you the intangibles to be urgent – at that position in an urgent football team. You feel like you could catch lightning in a bottle with the way that he runs. At the very least, you'd have that for a guy that has rushed in a season at the quarterback position for over 1,000 yards. Like, the the floor would be higher, you would think, with him because of that, because of his talent. But the ceiling, and this is obvious, is much higher with Justin Fields. You've actually made one of the arguments, though, a better one than Jerry's made, for why you wouldn't get Fields. You talk about urgency. Again, the floor higher with Fields, the ceiling higher with Fields. But he's still an unknown. That should be a reason for Jerry. Like If you don't want Fields, you'd have to give something up for him. You might have to pay him, and you still don't know about him. That's a legitimate reason if you're in the not trading for Fields camp. Yeah, and, and then also, you know, I would question why the Chicago Bears are so willing to move on from a former first-round first round pick, too. Like, I mean, I know that Caleb Williams is, uh, you know, maybe a, 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 a new-era great quarterback mm-hmm. that we're going to see, but Justin Fields is unknown, so you're willing to give up on him. Why? See, I look at that similarly to the way I look at the Russell Wilson thing with the Broncos. I don't think either team is giving up on their quarterback because they don't know or don't think they can be or are good players. I think they're just doing it for from an economical standpoint. Justin Fields, they yeah, st- but you still have the first in in another pick in the first round in the first round. Mm-hmm. Like economics to me, if I'm the Chicago Bears, if I don't have to give up, you know, if I could keep my quarterback, I can draft somewhere else to surround that with you know not having to pay. It's again a much better better reason than any of the three that Dulac came up with. Why are the Bears moving on? And because they're moving on, does that make him less desirable for any of the teams that might be interested? I I get the point. I just disagree. I think they just want to restart the clock at quarterback. And then with Denver, you just don't want to have to pay Russell Wilson. I get that. What they have to pay him when they didn't make the playoffs with that guy last year. 412-928-9370. The phone lines are lighting up. We'll get to all the phone callers coming up in the next segment. Here's the number two reason. Why Dulac says a trade does not make sense for Justin Fields. And I like Jerry. I respect Jerry. 
But this is kind of laughable to me. The number two reason, Rudolph would not re-sign. <laughs> what? What? Hmm. <laughs> I don't want to sound like I'm in first grade, but my retort to that would be, so? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, again, his number one reason Kenny would be finished, his number two reason why you don't bring in Justin Fields is Rudolph would not re-sign. Those are reasons one and two why I would want Justin Fields. This is a guy that they almost didn't bring back last year in Mason Rudolph. A guy that the league did not want. And now it would be some massive loss if he did not come back? Look, I, I appreciate what he did getting the Steelers to the playoffs, but does anybody really believe that Mason Rudolph is going to be the next quarterback of a championship Pittsburgh Steelers team? Come on now. That's not a reason. That's a reason why you do bring in Justin Fields. And then finally, the third reason why Jerry Dulac says a Fields trade doesn't make sense is a question, actually. Why is Fields suddenly the answer, question mark? And the blurb was, and I'm paraphrasing, he says that Fields hasn't panned out the way the Steelers thought that he would when they loved him three years ago. But so I would turn that around on Jerry and I would say, okay, they drafted Kenny Pickett 20th overall. Has he panned out the way that they thought he would two years ago? No. Dulac's really good at this. He's a great relationship builder. He's written a lot of good stuff on the Steelers. None of those three reasons is why they shouldn't trade for Justin Fields, right. in my humble opinion. Yeah. I mean, the last one I can get with, like, I mean, you're kind of guessing on Justin Fields. Uh, you, you really are. It, he's the same. He's in the same boat as Kenny in, in a way. Mm -hmm. So if you really are going to try to make a bang at the quarterback position you're trying and you're going to move on, I can see where he's like, well, then go after somebody that is proven. Yeah. That, I mean, that does make the most sense yeah. out of the three. What I've always said about the difference between Kenny Pickett and Justin Fields is, while both are still unproven, unknown guys who have had blips and moments, I will take the unknown guy with ceiling over the unknown guy who I think is closer to having maxed out on his potential. That's it. Now, for a long-term answer, I'd give it a shot with Justin Fields. Best chance to win this year is paying Russell Wilson $1.3 million. Where do Steelers fans come down on this? And what they're going to do? They're going to keep Kenny and Mason Rudolph. Correct. Or Kenny and Ryan Tannehill. Correct. Best caller on this, 412-928-9370, gets four tickets to the 2024 Pittsburgh Home and Garden Show at the David L. Lawrence Convention Center from March 8th through the 17th. Up next, your phone calls, 412-928-9370. Do you want to see the Steelers trade for Fields? What would you be willing to give up? Do you like any of the other options better? Do you want to sit tight with Kenny Pickett? Again, best caller wins four tickets to an awesome event. Four tickets! To the 2024 Pittsburgh Home and Garden Show at the David L. Lawrence Convention Center. They're the prize. Best caller right now wins those tickets. 412-928-9370. Bucky Brooks, former executive in the NFL, says that Russell Wilson would be a championship caliber quarterback with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Jerry Dulac wrote three reasons why a Justin Fields trade doesn't make sense for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Where do you come down now on the quarterback situation? 412-928-9370. Ezra in Fieldsland, Atlanta, Georgia, up first. What's up, Ezra? Hey, what's going on, fellas? Um, I got to say peace and love to steal a nation, but to be honest, it's a no-brainer to go Russell Wilson. It just really is. We made the playoffs with a third-string quarterback that really didn't play in the last two, three years 
Can you imagine what Russell Wilson would, what we have? It's a no-brainer, and I don't understand why the Steelers, the brass, why they're not taking advantage of the fact that we can get this dude for minimum wage. Oh, man. And that's just it for me, Ezra. Yeah, same. He's still got a lot left in the tank, clearly. 26 touchdowns, 8 picks last year. And we're going to hang up on you. Sorry, buddy, because you can't go to the Home and Garden show. You're in Atlanta. If you pay a guy $1.3 bucks, think about all the other stuff you can still do. A lot. And there's a lot out there that you could, that you need. That's a smaller cap hit than Gunnar Olszewski's. $1.3 million for your starting quarterback? If you want to get in on the Javarius... Leg- <laughs> every time. Legerious Sneed. If you want to get in on the Legerious Sneed <laughs> trade talks with Kansas City, the sign-and-trade deal, you could do that. The Steelers, according to Pro Football Focus, would be a great landing spot for Fletcher Cox. You could do something like that. Christian Wilkins, defensive lineman. DJ Reader, defensive lineman. Mark Caboli has linked them to the Steelers. If you're paying your quarterback $1.3 bucks, you can keep shopping in free agency. You can augment this roster. It's growing on me, man. Mm-hmm. If, if every year they say they want to win a championship, I don't think it's likely they would with Russell Wilson. But the best possible avenue to that this year is that guy at $1.3 bucks. No question about it. Lee, downtown, what up? All right, man, y'all might as well give me the tickets now, bro. You're not going to get Russell Wilson for the league minimum. He's not going to sign for that. He's too high-profile. High he's going to get 40 million bucks. Yeah, but he's still not going to sign for one point. It's just, it's just a, it's a, it's a pride thing, so I doubt you're who do you think Lee? Minimum. Who do you think Lee would be willing to pay him? Uh, the Raiders. Uh, I mean, there's a couple teams. Maybe Minnesota. There's a couple teams out there that are that are going to not get the quarterback they want, or they're going to start getting desperate. So you're, you know, he can wait it out. Quarterbacks get hurt, so you're not going to get him for the league minimum. So we might as well cut that out. You need to go get Justin Fields for a second round pick, and then uh, a following year fourth round pick. It's not even close. The the, the players don't want Kenny Pickett back. Your man whole said, "Hey, bring Mason Rudolph back." DJ Moore was just on the phone, was just on his podcast and saying, why are we trading Justin Fields? So the players know you can't, you can't fool the players. It's like, I was told coming out that Kenny Pickett was the most quarterback ready player to be on the field. So now we're about to give him another year. We're just going to waste another year. Like, well, that's know? a really good point, Lee. I'm putting you on hold. Cause I like the confidence, mm-hmm. you know, Kenny, the ceiling was never supposed to be all that high with Kenny. But you thought that he would come in and pay dividends early, and he hasn't. There's six touchdowns last year. So if that's if he's already so close to his ceiling, and this is what it is, then yeah, you should probably move on. Well, I mean, you know, Canada had a little bit to do with that. He did. In the growth. He In might, the stunting of growth. He, he might have had a lot to do with a that. A lot to do with that. So I'm not, I, I don't know what Kenny Pickett's... I don't think Kenny Pickett has reached the ceiling yet. My concern on that is... Did Matt Canada screw him up so much that he can't turn it around? Now? No. You don't think so? Nope. Nope. So why get Justin Fields then? Probably why they won't. 412-928-9370. Lee in downtown, the leader in the clubhouse for the Home and Garden Show tickets. Let's go to Jim in Penn Hills. Hey, Jim. Hello, gentlemen. Good morning. Good morning. Well, first of all, Russell Wilson's been there before, so we already know what he, you know, what he can do. And I just think he was put in a bad situation. 
in Denver because the running game, <clears throat> they were coming back off of a year where their, uh, Javante got hurt. And what we're working with now is the sky's the limit. Thank you, Jim. You sound like Bucky Brooks. A little bit. Four one two nine two eight nine three seven zero. One thing from the last caller, Lee, about Kenny and the guys not buying in. There is the split locker room between him and Mason. And George Pickens, based on his social media, clearly more of a fan of Mason Rudolph than Kenny Pickett's. One thing Brad Spielberger told us is that to a man, it seems, in Chicago, the players love Justin Fields. Yes. Adore that guy. And I think the players don't want to move on from Justin Fields. They do not. And I think that's worth something. I also think it's worth talking to Angela in Beachview. Yes, it is. It's always worth talking to the queen of the fan morning show. Hello, Angela. Long time no talk. Yeah, you know what? Just like anybody in any job. You can't do your job. You can't cut the mustard. TSB, you're out. However, um, I don't think it's a moot point of what quarterback we get until we finally find what we have in Kenny Pickett. Yeah, Canada was part of that, but when Tomlin sticks his nose in there, you know, <laughs> coddle him, play close, you know, only four interceptions. And now if we sign somebody else mentally, Kenny, he's, he's effed up, you know. And, yeah, it's a job. Yeah, he's a millionaire. But look at C.J. Stroud. They let it rip. He made some mistakes, but they know what they have. We need to give Kenny one more shot to see what he can do, what we have, or if he's just a scaredy cat and he's finished. Thank you, Angela. I, I totally agree. I mean, at the end of the day, I, I, I believe that the Steelers are going to give Kenny uh, this final shot, and I think that he, they should give him a final shot. I think they should. I don't think that they know. They, they know that he hasn't reached his ceiling. They know what the situation he was in before. And now it is it's 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 do or die. So let's see how you react and how you respond whenever your back is against the wall and you know this is probably your final opportunity. I, I, I I'm on board with that because I think that there's still a lot left in the tank for Kenny. There's a way you can do both. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Now you can bring Russell Wilson. I, in, I agree with that too. And it's a and it's a competition. I agree, with right? That. I mean, Russell's going to come here if he were to come here, and he's going to not think much of the competition. But you would you could legitimately have one. Same thing with Justin Fields. You'd simply just not pick up his option, have him come in, let the best man win. You can have both, I think. And if they were to do it, that's the way that they would probably look at it. Four one two nine two eight nine three seven zero. If you want to keep weighing in on this, what do you want to see the Steelers do at quarterback? And we got people on the text line. Kenny Pickett, Justin Fields, Kenny Pickett, Justin Fields. Let me take you behind the curtain real quick. Yesterday, we had a rousing Pirates conversation. It was very good. And we said we're giving away home and garden tickets. Call in. Chime in. Offer your opinions. Crickets. Justin Fields. Kenny Pickett. Russell Wilson. Call in. 
phone lines have been exploding. There's about 20 people on. That's right. Mm-hmm. In fact, we have a pirate segment, a Bucko spring training breakdown, Doran, that we were going to get to next. We're going to push that back to 745 because the phone lines have exploded so much. What do you want to see the Steelers do at quarterback? Lee downtown, the leader in the clubhouse for those home and garden show tickets. Fan Morning Show brought to you by Armstrong Comfort with Matt Mertz Plumbing. We were just looking at the text line. Don't talk about Pickett. Don't talk about Fields. Guess what? We get more dang texts about Kenny Pickett and Justin Fields and Russell Wilson and Baker Mayfield and all the quarterback stuff than we do on anything else. Yep. And when we bring it up, the phone lines explode. And we're not going to just do it to do it. But Ryan Poles, the GM of the Bears, talked yesterday. Bucky Brooks said that the Steelers are a championship-level team and Russell Wilson's a championship-level quarterback if they sign him. You've got every time you turn on ESPN, fields to the Steelers, fields to the Steelers. Jerry Dulac, who you wouldn't think would get into this kind of stuff, he wrote a column about it on the Post-Gazette. So you don't think you want it? Every metric we have at our disposal tell us you do want it. And that's why we got 15 friggin' phone callers on the line right now at 412-928-9370. What do you want the Steelers to do at quarterback? Chuck in the North Hills, good morning. Good morning. How are you? We are wonderful, good. man. You just all good? Right. I'm great. First, okay, good. First of all, Dorn, best signing a fan ever had. Thank you. Appreciate that. Seven years last week, yeah, Chuck. How about that? All right. Hey, uh, on your play yesterday, uh, Doran, you said the Steelers should trade down in the first round. How about you give Chicago your number one and number four to get their number two? You end up high in the, in the second round, so you take care of that. And if Justin doesn't work out, you don't sign them through that, through that extension. Because everyone knows, under Mike Tomlin, Steelers are like uh, Rudolph's land of lost toys. Island they of misfit toys, to- Chuck? So so, what, so what, what I'm getting is is that you would have two second-round picks and give up your first and your fourth for fields, right? Yes. I, 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 you, I like that. You, you your, that's too, you that's too your, much uh, for me. No, but you get your, uh, your center your tackle in the second round and you and you can put it up any way you want. You could say you you traded down to get uh, their higher two. I get what you're saying there, Chuck. I, I, I think that, I, that that's kind of... Yeah, but consider this though, Doran. So there's not a lot of takers for fields. Like Atlanta reportedly going to think about trading up. He's not going to wind up in Las Vegas because he's with he would be with Getze again. That just doesn't seem like a good marriage. I think you can get him for a third. I really, I think when it's all said and done and the dust settles, Justin Fields will be traded for a third. So you're, you're not willing to give up your first. Well, if you can get him for a third, for a third yeah, that then you've got your first, first where your you second. get your tackle, and then you can get your center in the second round. Right, uh, yeah, yeah. I don't hate the idea of trading back and getting a couple of second-round picks in like some other hypothetical world, but I don't think you're going to have to give up a first-round pick for Justin Fields. Tom and Green Tree, good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. How are you? We're good. We're wonderful. Hey, uh, a great topic today. Um, I, I just think we did it. Russell Wilson is 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 over. Um, five years ago, yes, absolutely. He's a you're you're going to a Super Bowl. Twenty three touchdowns and eight interceptions. Twenty six, in fact. Oh, twenty six. Sorry, twenty six touchdowns, eight interceptions last year. How many yards? Who cares about yards? 
His yards and wins have gone down. Ken Pickett threw six touchdowns, he beat, Tom. He beat Green, and then, and he beat Green Bay, he beat Buffalo, he beat Kansas City. Guys. He's done. He's over. He had more bathrooms in his house than he did touchdowns his first year there. He's over. <laughs> I mean, that, 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 that might be true, Tom. Yeah, it's true. It, yeah. it is true. It's done. Um, <laughs> I, if we were going to go with an aging quarterback or an older quarterback, a veteran, I, I want to get Mr. Cole's cash, Kirk Cousins, in here, honestly. Okay, but think about this then, Tom, because you're going to have to pay Kirk Cousins $40 bucks, And he's coming, yeah, off a, he's coming off a bad injury at 36 right. years of age. For Russell right. Wilson, you don't have to pay one point three million bucks. Yeah, for the money. I'd, I'd much rather I'd much rather go with Fields out of Chicago. Um, I think no matter I can buy that. They have a quarterback, they're going to mess that up. They're like kind of a doomed franchise with quarterbacks all of the Browns. And I I just think giving up a, a second or you know a third, maybe a second and a fifth of that trade. The upside of that is so much better than any of the negatives or the downsides or the potential of. Russell Wilson and Sierra, and where are they going to live when they move to Pittsburgh? And- my man, my man does not like Russell Wilson. I'm putting Tom on hold though for the yeah, bathroom. Yeah, comment. definitely, definitely. I, I mean, I mean, basically, to me, Justin Fields is Russell Wilson whenever he came into the league. I mean, like talent wise, it, it, you're getting a possible Russell Wilson from ten years ago with Justin Fields. That's just that's just my assessment. Yeah. If you don't have to give up assets for Russell Wilson, and he 26 and eight last year. Touchdown to interceptions. He beat the Buffalo Bills. He beat the Browns. He beat the Kansas City Chiefs. He beat the Green Bay Packers. All teams that have pretty good quarterbacks. It's a, it's a, it's almost too good of a situation. It's a no-brainer if he's coming in at that price. No assets you have to give up. And and so I'm trying to have it both ways here. If you want the the potential long-term answer at quarterback, you make a play for Fields. If you want to win this year. The best option is Russell Wilson because you can build around him. And he absolutely still has it left in the tank. This guy's talking about bathrooms, and it's very funny. And he's talking about Sierra, and it made us chuckle. <clears throat> chuckle. Chuckle. My Peter Brady moment there. My God. <laughs> but the guy threw 26 touchdowns. How many years is it going to take Kenny Pickett to throw 26 touchdowns? Seven years? Like, what are we doing here? That was my Starkey impression. Mm-hmm. 412-928-9370. Do we stick with this, or do we give our bucko breakdown coming up next? I think we have too many calls on the line that we should get to. I agree. We should let everybody give their side of it. And then we've got Ray Fittipaldo at 8. We'll move the bucko breakdown to the 8 o'clock hour. Yeah. Look at us light on our feet. That's yeah. why I was asked how we're doing. We're doing wonderful. Nimble. And you said you're doing great. Mm-hmm. 412-928-9370. Bucky Brooks says the Steelers would be a championship caliber with Russell Wilson. Jerry Dulac says the Steelers should not get Justin Fields. Where do you come down on all of this? 50-minute mark on the fan, brought to you by South Hills Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram, Route 19, and Peters Township, celebrating 50 years in the South Hills. Going to be joined by Ray Fittipaldo, live from Indianapolis in the NFL Scouting Combine at 8 o'clock. He'll be on the fan hotline. Presented by Sullivan Super Service, Pittsburgh Trusted Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning Provider for over 50 years. Again, that's coming up in 10 minutes. Someone on the text line said, you don't want Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson's like an older Kenny Pickett. The reason we're talking about Russell is because Bucky Brooks says the Steelers would have a championship-level team, and he'd be a championship-level quarterback with the Pittsburgh Steelers. He said, look at... (laughs) The texter did. Said, look at the stats that Russell Wilson had during that five-game winning streak. It's basically like Kenny Pickett stats, and you guys don't like that out of Kenny. Kenny Pickett threw six touchdowns in 12 games. 
Russell Wilson, in their five-game winning streak last year, threw eight touchdowns and no interceptions with a quarterback rating over 100. He threw more touchdowns in five games than Kenny did all of last year. So if Russell Wilson is just an older Kenny, well, age sure did wonders for that guy. Mm -hmm. No offense, Kenny. 412-928-9370. Brian in the car joins us now. Hello, Brian. Good morning, fellas. What you got, buddy? For the record, for the record I want Justin Fields. Um, I, I, I want younger. I want, you know, it's been, what, seven years since we've really had competent quarterback play here in Pittsburgh. Last couple years of Ben's career. I mean, he was still great, but he was what he was. Um, I don't think Russell Wilson's going to come here. One thing. Brian, Brian, can I ask you a question here, buddy? Because Doran and I had the same thought at the same exact time. And he looked at me, Crowley looked at me, and I was like, is he thinking what I'm thinking? And I kind of mouthed the word or the name to him, and he just kind of just was like, yep. Brian, do you know you sound like Steelers GM, former Steelers GM Kevin Colbert? Have you been told that before? I have been told that before by somebody <laughs> on your radio, on, on your station. <laughs> Are we sure it's not Kevin Colbert? Well, if I was Kevin Colbert, I'd be, you know, on Kenny Pickett's side more, right? Because he's the one that drafted him. And I, I, like I said, I don't think Russell Wilson's going to come here, guys. For one thing, he just lost his job at Denver and pretty much got booted out of the building. Now, I know they're paying him. Right. I don't think he's going to want to come to Pittsburgh and say he loses the competition to Kenny Pickett and his career ends that way. I, I just don't see that. And I don't think they're going to guarantee him a legit start. I mean, I, I don't know, guys. I, I, I hey, Kevin. Hey, that. Kevin. How do you think Omar's done done so far? You think he's done a good job? I, think, I do. I do because I, I really think, you know, as much as the NFL – has changed to a passing league. I still think it's old school. It starts up front, and I hope they keep building up both of these lines. All right, thank you, former Steelers general manager Kevin Colbert. Donnie Football just texted me. I legit thought to myself, this guy sounds like Colbert. I had to look up. Dead the, ringer. I had to look up the number of both people <laughs> and to see if we were getting for real. Well, speaking of Colbert, it's not the old regime anymore. And we were talking with Craig Riley in his office yesterday. He brought up a really good point. People can say, don't talk about Fields, don't talk about Russell Wilson. These are things the Steelers never do. This is a new regime. They never fired coordinators midseason. I don't think that they typically would have gone and signed a guy like Patrick Peterson in years prior. Like they did with Joe Hayden, that fell right into their lap. They really had their eyes set on Cameron Sutton. That didn't work out. Work out. And then immediately they pivoted to a guy that's going to be wearing a gold jacket one day, a big name. They don't usually do those things. Even Alandon Roberts is a bigger name. Mm-hmm than guys that they usually bring in in free agency. You can't rule out that they're going to do anything. You can't. And, you know, while a guy like Dulac is tapped in and seems to think they're not going to do this and has gone to Rich Eisen and said so, he also didn't, A, rule it out completely, and, B, Jerry thought they were not going to take a quarterback. Or if they did, it'd be Malik Willis a couple of years ago. I think there's definitely a non-zero percent chance that they address the quarterback position in a manner in which the Steelers wouldn't have done before. Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, I, you could say what you want and, and teams and coaches and GMs can say, like, you know, we, we have all the faith in the world and the, the players that we have here. But scenarios change every second, and especially for the right price, and especially whenever people are willing to give you something that you want or something that you need. Well, and think about this, too. I mean, frankly, 
Kevin Colbert did a non-Kevin Colbert thing when he traded for Minka Fitzpatrick. Mm-hmm. Because why? It, it made sense. It fell into their lap. A first-round pick for a guy you don't have to then pay a first-round bonus to because it was already paid by Miami. A guy that you already had tape on because he was good in one season in the NFL. Why wouldn't you take a swing like that? And now you could maybe have Justin Fields for a three or you could have Russell Wilson at $1.3 million. That, to me, is the definition of falling right into your lap. Mm-hmm. So it's worth discussing. Who should we give those tickets to? Lee. Lee, downtown, you're the winner of the tickets. To the Home and Garden Show at the David L. Lawrence Convention Center starting on March 8th. Coming up next, we're going to talk to Ray Fittipaldo. He is live in Indianapolis at the NFL Scouting Combine. We can move off quarterbacks when we talk to Ray because there are some intriguing names out there that have been linked to the Steelers in free agency. Does he think they'll dive right into the deep end? Forget sticking the toes in the water. Are they going to dive in on some of these bigger name free agents? We'll ask Ray Fittipaldo next. But first, fan weather brought to you by Sun Chevrolet. Check out special financing for qualified buyers on new Silverado 1500 trucks. Today, high is 62, and the skies, they're open. Max Struess, you see that last night? That, yep, that was unbelievable. Woo! How far was that? They, what, 50 feet? That was like a three-quarter court shot. Yeah. Cleveland Cavaliers win at the buzzer. You don't care about that. But it was an awesome finish, and it got me thinking about March March Madness right around the corner, baby. That's your favorite time, huh? Sports oh. time, favorite sports time of the year? There are so many. I just, I, I feel love, like you talk about that a lot. It's my fa- it, The NCAA tournament is my all-time favorite yeah. thing. You know what also I've been thinking about? Because that happened, it's not March yet. It's the f- second to last day of February because it's a leap year. You think John Rothstein hates leap years? You know, the guy on, on Twitter who always does his March countdown? Mm-hmm. He's so obsessed with March Madness. He does the countdown, and there's an extra day in February. I bet you that absolutely tears him up inside, John Rothstein. I had a friend when I was younger. He was born on leap year, and we had his like 11th birthday or 10th <laughs> birthday, and he was really two years old or something weird. I don't know how that works, but he was like, yeah. And he had like a two on his cake, and I'm like, what is that about? He's like, I was born on leap year. See, I feel like people who are born on February 29th in leap year, they that they make that their personality. Mm-hmm. Hey, hey, fun fact. You do true... Two truths and a lie. I was born on a leap year. It's really not that interesting. No. You know who is interesting? Ray Fittipaldo from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, live in Indianapolis, on the Fan Hotline, presented by Sullivan Super Service, providing trusted plumbing and HVAC service for over 50 years. Hey, Ray, how you doing, buddy? Good morning, guys. I'm doing good. Happy to hear it. Ray, I hear through the grapevine that Omar Khan will be back in Indianapolis and speaking tomorrow afternoon. Are you hearing the same thing? That is correct. Omar is scheduled to speak with the local media guys mid-afternoon, and he'll also do a podium up here for for everyone else as well. All right, Ray. We are going to avoid the quarterback talk with you for the duration of this conversation, but I'm interested if the Steelers are going to be making a big splash this offseason outside of the quarterback position. The word that Art Rooney II has always used or did in the media availabilities this offseason is urgency. If you're not going to do anything at quarterback, I think that would mean making a splash elsewhere. So, for example, do you think the Steelers would be interested if Kansas City did a sign-and-trade deal with a guy like Legereus Sneed? Do you think they'd be in on a Jalen Johnson? Do you think they'll be go they'll go big game hunting, I guess is what I'm asking you. Well, the Snead story is is a big one here. Um, So, you know, it it seems like, um, you know, they're not going to be able to afford Mahomes, Chris Jones, Kelsey, 
you know, it seems like Snead is a guy that they're probably going to have to part ways with. Um, but, you know, the sign and trade, you're going to end up spending probably $20 million a year on one of the top corners in the NFL. So you have to, you know, you have to look at your defense and you have to figure out if he's a fit for your defense. And then, of course, you have to figure out if he's a fit um, in your salary cap. Jalen Johnson now, um, correct me if I'm wrong, I think the Bears tagged him or they're going to tag him. So Yeah, and Ryan Poles he, said yesterday, Ray, that they are hoping he'll be a Chicago Bear. Yeah, so, I mean, he could be off the market. I was looking at the, the list of the top free agents uh, just this morning before you guys called, and, like, you know, I, I was at Eric DaCosta's um, podium yesterday. They're probably going to tag Matt Abuike. Um So all these guys who are top free agents now, I think in a week or so we'll have a better idea of who's available. And there still could be some some splash guys available, but you guys know how it works. If you're a if you're an elite player, teams are going to find a way to keep you, whether it's through the tag or whether it's through a long-term deal. I guess what I'm asking then, Ray, is if you're not going to go after the big fish and you're not going to go after a quarterback, why should anybody expect that the Steelers are significantly better at 2024? Well, I, I think um, the fact that Arthur Smith is now the OC, I think that's potentially uh, a thing that could be much different with this offense um, in 2024. You know, we all, we've known the struggles that the Steelers have endured with Randy Feekner in the tail end of his tenure and, of course, the entire tenure of Matt Canada. You know, there is going to be some money to spread around. I mean, they probably have to sign an inside linebacker here. They are going to have to sign some level of corner, whether it's a high-tier or mid-tier guy, to get through the season, even if you do draft a guy early in this draft. So, you know, the Steelers never really operate, like, with uh, a mindset of splash and free agency. It's more so filling the holes, getting some guys. Like last year, until they had those injuries, Adam, uh, to Cole Holcomb and Quan Alexander, that inside linebacker room was really, really good, and they yeah. didn't spend a ton of money mm-hmm. – to upgrade it. I mean, they spent like, I think Holcomb was maybe $6 million a year. Roberts was $3.5 million a year. Quan was playing on a vet minimum contract, basically. So, you know, I would expect those types of moves. But, again, you look at the increased salary cap, there's going to be more more cuts coming. Patrick Peterson, I think, is gone. Um, Allen Robinson is going to be gone. So they're going to have some money to spend. I think it's just – you know how they want to allocate those resources. Wait, you said Patrick Peterson's probably gone. I, I, I thought that they were interested in bringing him back. Mm, you know, Doran. You know, I, I just look at the cap hit ten million dollars, and I'm not reporting that. I'm, I'm just mm-hmm. looking at the, the contract. Ten million dollar cap hit. You can't play outside corner anymore. So even if you view him as this versatile piece in your secondary that's going to play slot, maybe a little bit of safety, those guys don't earn $10 million a year. They don't eat eat up $10 million of your cap. So, um, you know, I might be wrong about that, but I, I, I'm willing to bet in two weeks that uh, Patrick Peterson won't be on this roster. Oh, Ray, oh. I know, that is it. Uh, that's very interesting. Ray, you talk about the Steelers spreading around the money, and let's go to the offensive side of the ball. As you're probably aware, yesterday, Jonu Smith was released by the Atlanta Falcons. He's an yeah. Arthur Smith guy, was with him in Tennessee, was with him, obviously, in, in, the, in Atlanta. Can you see them adding him as a tight end and bolstering that room, or is Connor Hayward and him too man, too much of a, a similarity between the two at the tight end position? I think Johnny Smith is a little bit bigger than Hayward, right? I mean, Hayward is ex- 
extremely undersized for you know for a tight end. Um, I, I could see them doing that for sure. I you know I, I think Smith is going to want some of his guys in there, guys that he trusts, and you know that could end up meaning a guy like Hayward. Maybe he has to make the roster based only on a special teams ability. Maybe he has to convert completely to fullback and play that that role for the Steelers. Um, you know, I, I know Smith didn't use a fullback a ton in Tennessee. It was mostly single back with Henry. Um, but, uh, yeah, that could be bad news for Hayward. But, uh, yeah, I mean, as, as long as John New Smith has a reasonable price tag in free agency, I know he made some money in New England when they signed him. But as long as his, his – Dollar sign is reasonable. I, I think that's a move that you could definitely see coming here. Um, you know, once free agency agency gets here in a couple of weeks. Ray Fittipaldo of the Post Gazette joining us here on the Fan Morning Show. The Fan Morning Show brought to you by Armstrong Comfort with Matt Mertz Plumbing. If they were to get John U. Smith, Ray, would that preclude them from going after a guy like Tyler Boyd? Would they view that as a weapon and Boyd as a weapon, or would they still want to add a guy who can help them in the receiver room? Yeah, I mean, if, if they cut Allen Robinson, obviously you need a number three receiver. Um, you know, Boyd's going to be upwards of $8 million a year. I, I think – I could be wrong about this. I think Smith is probably going to be a little bit more reasonable than that. I think you could probably get Johnny Smith. I think he's 28 years old. I think you could probably get him for, for less than, you know, uh, a premier number three receiver. So um, he does like to use tight ends. He used them a lot in Tennessee – um, obviously, with Kyle Pitts, um, he used tight ends a lot in, in Atlanta, too, uh, along with Smith. So, um, you know, that could just mean, yeah, we're going to go, we're going to spend some money on tight ends, but they, they would still have to bring in a low-tier free agent signing to be the number three next year. And the guy I always mention is uh, Quez Watkins from the Eagles, had a really good year a couple of years ago. Injuries kind of held him back this year. Um, he was there when Andy was there. So a guy like that, a guy who's not going to cost you a lot of money, could be an option um, for you later in the free agency process. Ray, if they had to play a game, uh, say, tomorrow, is their thought process like, okay, like if things don't go our way in the draft and we don't, um, we can't negotiate a contract in free agency, is James Daniel the Steelers' center as, like, right now? Like, if you if you rolled out, if you if they had to play right now, would he be the center? Yeah. Or Nate Herbig. Okay. And I know neither of those guys have recent experience at the position. I mean, it's been a couple of years for James. Um, you know, Nate practiced as the second team center all last season. He was Mason Cole's backup. Um, you know, Mason was such a tough guy. They didn't have to use him. He always battled through injuries. Honestly, I thought maybe that was part of the problem for Mason. He was always out there banged up. And, um, you know, I think that maybe affected him a little bit. Um, but yeah, I think you might be right. You know, Daniels is in the last year of his contract. Um, uh, you know, they could draft a guard and move Daniels to center if, if that's their thinking, or they could just be thinking, Hey, Nate Herbig, you're going to be our center this year. We're going to draft the best offensive lineman available, whether that's a center at number 20 or in the middle of the second round, or that's an offensive tackle in the first round. That could be, um, part of their game plan. And maybe Omar Khan can uh, shed some light on that when he uh, speaks to us tomorrow. Ray, do you think they're going to get an extension done this offseason with Pat Fryermuth? Yeah, I do, but I don't think it's going to be as, for as much money as maybe I thought it was going to be um, a year ago. You know, he just hasn't. And I know the offensive coordinator has been a big issue for him, and the quarterback has been a big issue for him, but he's just never gotten back to where he was as a rookie. I mean, he, when, when he was a rookie, 
um, seven touchdowns, had a bunch of catches, a bunch of yards, and it's just what he's done the last two years just pales in comparison. So he's not going to get that big tight end free agent deal, but I could see them signing him for $10 million a year or so. And I, I think another thing that holds him back from making a lot of money, he's not a very good blocker. Correct, and yeah. you're not a very good blocker, and you're inconsistent for whatever reason in the passing game. I don't, I don't think that bodes well for, for your price tag. Ray, terrific as always, man. Enjoy Indianapolis. Thanks for coming on. All right, guys. Talk to you later. Thanks, See you, buddy. I just saw the Twitter scouts that you love so much, Dorn. What happened? They're now all tweeting out the measurables for certain players at the Combine. Oh, great. So here's what, here's what I want to do. Oh, boy. Here's what I want to do. Maybe in the pre-show tomorrow, maybe in the hallway and we bring it over to the air, I'm going to bring in a tape measure and we'll measure out 40 yards. I thought you were going to say something else. <clears throat> yeah, it's right next to my bed, right there on the bed stand, <laughs> next to the Vaseline. Yeah, I'm going, to bring, I'm going to bring in a tape measure. We can measure out 40 yards. We can do hand measurements. We can run the 40. You don't have to. We know what yours is. We can weigh me. I'll bring in a scale. Okay. We can maybe see if everyone on the fan wants to do that. All right. Tweet out our measurables. Yes. Because we buy. Arm well, length. Yes. The whole thing. Yes. We buy into that. You think everyone else would do it? I think Starkey would do it. Starkey would do it. Bring the scale in. Bring the tape measure. We're doing that tomorrow. Mm -hmm. If I don't forget, I'll make a note in my phone right now. All right. Coming up next, Fletcher Cox has been tied to the Steelers. The great Philadelphia Eagle. PFF says he'd be a great fit. Christian Wilkins, DJ Reader have been linked to the Steelers by Mark Caboli. You think if they were going to splurge on a guy, maybe go after Mike Evans. We just heard Ray say that there's been at least some conversation about Legarius Sneed and a sign in the trade deal there. Jonu Smith has been linked to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Money should not be any problem here. We'll talk about our wish list for the Steelers coming up next. At 8.35, it's our Bucko Spring Training Breakdown. The Penguins with a massive victory. We'll get to that in this hour before Doug Whaley joins us at 9 o'clock. He's brought to us by Tri-State Office Furniture, the best in the business. NFL salary cap, $255.4 million. Steelers right now sit about $9 bucks under that salary cap. And because of rollovers, they can actually spend up to 258 some odd million. They've been linked to a number of guys. PFF, Fletcher Cox. Could be a perfect fit for the Steelers. Mark Caballi, Christian Wilkins, DJ Reader, defensive lineman, could fit with the Steelers. Doran says, if you're going to splurge on a guy, how about you go get a great player in Mike Evans? Legarius Sneed, the cornerback, great player for the Kansas City Chiefs. Franchise tag, and then there's a possibility, according to reports, that they could be looking to agree to a trade, one of those sign-and-trade deals. Jalen Johnson, the Steelers were linked to him, cornerback out of Chicago at the deadline. Although, Ryan Poles, the GM of Chicago, says they're, they're making some headway in terms of long-term extension there. But the question is this. All these names, John U. Smith, the tight end who played last year for the Steelers' new offensive coordinator, Arthur Smith, has been linked to Pittsburgh. What would you do? You got all this money to spend. You can start... Moving things around. We know Omar Khan's a wizard with the cap. We heard Ray Fittipaldo say in the last segment he thinks Patrick Peterson is going to get cut. If you're making a wish list, what do you want to see the Steelers do this offseason? Forget about quarterback for right now. Outside of quarterback, what's a name, what's a position that you'd like to see the Steelers target? I, I would like to see them target Tyler Boyd, 
Jonu Smith and Jordan Whitehead. And I said this the other day. This isn't all. This isn't pit stick or bias here. Um, I think that you can get Whitehead and Boyd and Jonu Smith, three playmakers, one being on defense, for fairly not cheap, but a, a reasonable price. You, you can would get, all three get those three guys probably in the ballpark of like fifteen. Uh, no, 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 not pro- even that. probably twenty-five. Yeah, which you'd probably be having to to pay. Well, Jerry Sneed, if you made a trade with the Chiefs, $20 million just for one guy. Or if you went after Mike Evans, you'd probably have to pay $20 million-ish for one guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't hate that at all. Like, I think if they did that, Steelers fans would probably be pretty happy. Mm-hmm. You get a good tight end who worked in a two-tight end system with Arthur Smith and Pitts last year, Kyle Pitts and Jonu Smith. You'd get a legitimate slot receiver in Tyler Boyd, and you'd get a guy that would really be cheap. Probably two and a half to five million bucks in Jordan White. That, that's my estimate there because safeties don't go for a lot. Not non-star safeties don't go for a lot. Yeah, you could do a lot worse than that. Absolutely, you could. I, I want to see them go after a big fish though. Like that's a pragmatic approach. I think that's a realistic situation. Realistic circumstances you could see happen with the Steelers this offseason. Those three guys, I really do. This is probably less realistic, but. Like Jalen Johnson, I would love to pay to a, a long-term contract in Pittsburgh. I would love to see that happen. Now, Chicago doesn't have to let that happen. They could tag him and then try all offseason to make an extension happen. It doesn't sound like they would want to do the Legereus Sneed thing and do a sign-and-trade. Mm-hmm. But if he were to hit the open market, Jalen Johnson, that's a position where they've struggled to draft with the exception of Joey Porter Jr., you'd get a bona fide stud. A bona fide stud. Yeah, both of your corners are locked down. Locked down. locked down. Your secondary is not a concern at all when three out of your four guys are studs. Mm-hmm. And then maybe you could sign a Terrell Edmonds for cheap, bring him back. I know that's not going to excite Steelers fans, but he's got a good rapport with Mickey Fitzpatrick, whose name escaped me for whatever reason just there. You, you could do a lot worse than that secondary. And then you could give your offense some room to grow and learn under a new offensive coordinator. Because that's one thing I don't think people are factoring in. Like They're going to maybe be growing pains early next season. I think we saw it with the Ravens this year. They changed their offense. Ultimately, it led them down a great avenue. But earlier in the season, their offense wasn't all that good. When you, when you switch over an offensive staff, it takes time. Mm-hmm. You're going to need your defense to be special to let them hit the ground running. Because all these games matter. That's the big fish I'd go after, Jalen Johnson. Yeah, if I was going after a big fish and like a, a realistic big fish, it would be a corner, mm-hmm. just so I could shore up the other side. And I don't love the tackle options in free agency. I mean, there are the best tackles. If you look at any of these free agent lists, are all are both old guys. Like the top two tackles are old guys mm-hmm. that I'm just not betting on. And I and you don't want to have to spend the going rate for a tackle if they're going to be aged out dudes. You just don't want to do that. Sneed's so intriguing. Yes, but think about the cost. What's it going to take to pry him from Kansas City in terms of what you would be sending back in a return, and then you'd have to pay him buku bucks? I just don't think that's realistic, even though Ray said that that's kind of a hot topic in Indianapolis right now. What would you do? 412-928-9370. Fletcher Cox, though. The idea of Fletcher Cox next to Cam Hayward. I just said don't spend money on an aging tackle. I kind of want to spend money on an aging defensive lineman, though, because he was really good in Philadelphia last year. Yes, he was. He's an ageless wonder. Maybe a two-down guy at this at this stage of his career, but you put him next to a healthy Cam, wrecking yeah. stuff. It's just like to it.
Yep. Boy, I miss him. I know. I was just thinking about that. Like he he was such a difference maker just because of his size. They really they really hit a couple of bad rough luck spots. I mean, Ryan Shazier is the big one, no doubt about it. But they decided to spend money on Tuit instead of Javon Hargrave. And I didn't mind that decision at the time because when Tuit was healthy, he was awesome, and then he retires. That's not their fault. That stinks, though. Mm-hmm. It really stinks. Texter, those are three good calls, Doran. I would not spend money on an inside linebacker. I would kind of bet on the guys that they have. Are they going to be healthy, though? I bet you two, two of the three are probably going to be healthy for training camp. You think? I hope. Mm. I just don't what look was, at, What was Alexander's injury again? Was it his knee? I'd have to. Yeah. I would say that they showed me enough there last season that you don't have to break the bank on inside linebacker yes. that I have faith that they'd be able to do it again, even if they did go in a different direction. I think that that's the most plug-and-play from the draft perspective, middle-round position that you could find in the draft. Like If you're looking at the draft and you're in the middle rounds in third, fourth round, and you want to get a guy that could potentially be a starter, middle linebacker is that. Because like that is like the most old-school position. Like you're, It's just instinct. You could tell if a guy – a guy can transition from college to the NFL the best at middle linebacker because it's like it, – it, nothing really changes. Yes. Nothing changes. Yeah. Speed doesn't really change. You know, I mean – uh, going the guys that you're going against, I mean the the athleticism changes a little bit. You may have to cover guys every once in a while, but linebackers that plug and play position where you could find a really good one in the fourth round to be your starter. That's a point. Well, and it's funny too because I think my perception on how they handle the inside linebacker position has changed now in one off season. Because Kevin Colbert, he was struggling to find that Shazier replacement. Again, the Shazier injury is nobody's fault, but they struggled to find the replacement all the way through Devin Bush. Last offseason, Omar Khan comes in, Andy Weidel. They find three guys, all of whom could play. If it were Kevin Colbert still here, and they had to spend money in free agency, and there was a big fish out there, I would not hate Patrick Queen because you know what he is, Mm -hmm. and so you don't have to project. But now that they showed last offseason they can handle the inside linebacker position, I'm not drafting one early. I'm not signing a big-name guy. I'm just trusting that they know what they're doing now at that position. You can continue to give your thoughts on what the Steelers should do with their free agent money on the text line at 412-928-9370. Brought to you by Edgar Snyder and Associates, a personal injury law firm where they always say there's never a fee unless we get money for you. You can also chime in on Twitter. Brought to you by South Hills Kia and Peters Township. Visit them at southhillskia.net. Up next, Buckos played yesterday. We've got a Bucko spring training breakdown, Doran. Before we get into a massive Penguins win from last night. 848. Big Penguins win last night. We react. We ask a hypothetical question. Nine o'clock. Ray Fittipaldo. No, I lied. We were just talking about Ray and how good he is at his job. Nine o'clock. Doug Whaley, also good at his job, will join us for a full hour. But right now, Doran, that music can only mean one thing. The Pirates just lost and they're flashing the probable pitchers for the uh, next game on the Jumbotron. But what it means for us is it's our Bucko Spring Training Breakdown. Mm-hmm. Alliteration? Bucko Breakdown? Bucko Breakdown. Bucko I'm going to read some stats Bra- from yesterday. Bradenton Bucko Breakdown. There it is. There. He figured it out. We got ourselves some alliteration there, Cal. Bradenton Bucko Breakdown. Hmm. Brought to you by... Insert sponsorship here? Question mark? I think so. Mm-hmm. I smell a sales opportunity, Doran Dickerson. 
So we're not going to make a mountain out of a molehill. We were talking about this before the show. Like the, the broad Pirates topics right now, there's not going to be a ton of them. But yesterday was almost a full lineup for the Buckos. It could have been the lineup you're going to see on opening day with the exception of the starting pitcher. So let's get into it a little bit. I'll give you some stat. I'll give you some of the stats from yesterday. Box score reading. Marco Gonzalez. One and two-thirds innings, six hits, three earned runs, one walk, two strikeouts. That's no good. No good. No good. Last year, he only pitched in 10 games with the Mariners, but the previous four seasons, he was really good. In the previous four seasons, he had an ERA of 392. Last year, he's banged up. He starts 10 games. I don't worry about a veteran in spring training. It's going to take time. What I do pay attention to with the starting pitchers, Doran, Luis Ortiz. Yes, sir. Two innings, one hit, no earned, one walk, two strikeouts. Through one game, Luis Ortiz has a leg up, I would say, big time on Rowanzi Contreras for a spot in the rotation. You got it. And you know what? He was throwing hard again, too. You, did you get a miles per hour at all? Somebody tweeted who was down there that his sinker he was throwing 97 miles an hour. What? Yep. And something about the rotation of the baseball that I didn't understand, but it seemed really good. Okay. We can ride it. Mm-hmm. Good. His arm's explosive, and he was dotting on the black at 100. I remember Bob Walk going nuts about his first performance with the Bucks. Either him or Rowanzi, ideally both, need to be part of this rotation, but that's a good step in the right direction for Luis Ortiz. You know who starts today? Quinn Priester. It's your boy. I saw a piece in the Trib by Kevin Gorman where he talked to Priester and Priester said the entire offseason was about adding miles per hour back to his fastball because he was throwing mid-90s when he came up here last season he needs to be throwing mid to upper 90s probably sit in the mid he's working on that Derek Shelton said what he needs to see from him is those innings that aren't going so hot you, you can't give up four or five runs you give up one or two, you live to fight for the next inning. Rowanzi camp. Same exact kind They're of deal. are in the same camp. Throw harder, trust your stuff. Yep. Between the ears, don't let it spiral. Other highlights from yesterday include Key Brian Hayes picking up right where he left off from last year. And lifts this one high in the air to left center field. Just what we're talking about. Grand slam onto the boardwalk for Key Brian Hayes. Granny time. What an at-bat. What an at-bat. It's just spring training, but how good was that? Greg Brown in mid-season form. Audio engineer, maybe not so much. I'm starting to look at Key Brian Hayes as a guy that I would put in the column of, all right, we expect him to be that guy again this year. Need him to. Need him to. Absolutely need him to. But my expectation is that he'll do it. Two great months at the end of last season. We know he's working with the guy that the Pirates shipped off, but he's still working with him. Mm -hmm. If he can be a 20 home run guy with that defense. Huge. He's an all-star. Stay healthy, too. Yes, yes, always big with that's Key what, Brian Hayes. That's what I think, real quick, that's what I think is. it was his issue, though. I mean, I, I mean, it's very obvious, but I think that that was a part of the issue, especially his injury that he had was his back and the rotation, things of that nature. Once he got healthy, he had that, you know, big ladder half of the year. Yes. So hopefully he stays healthy all year. Henry Davis and Yasmani Grandal, each with two at-bats, both of whom went 0 for 2. Jack Sawinski, 1 for 1 yesterday. O'Neill Cruz, 
0 for 1. But a good sign, I think, here, Doran. Two walks, two runs. Mm -hmm. Patient O'Neill Cruz. The power's always going to be there. Strikeout's going to be there. Can he get on base? Especially if they want him leading off, which it seems like they do. Drawing walks, a good sign. There's people who I take some credence with how they play in spring training, like Rowanzi Contreras, but there's people who I just look at this box score right now and I see their name at the top of the list and I'm just instantly happy. And that's O'Neill Cruz. I don't care what he does in spring training. I'm just happy he's playing. Yeah, and they're going to get him a bajillion lineups. Yes. Uh, excuse me, a bajillion reps. Yes. A bajillion at-bats in the lineup. There we go. There it is. And finally, Brian Reynolds, one for three with a homer and two RBI. If you get the last couple of months of him... The last couple of months of Key Brian Hayes, he could score some runs this year. And some consistency with Sawinski. Yes. One for one for good old Jack Sawinski. Good old Jack. I swear, though, this music, it's the this week in baseball music, makes me think about the Pirates lost. You're not playing the Let's Go Bucks song. They play this on the Jumbotron. Thank you for coming to PNC Park. <laughs> Tomorrow's Probables. Josh Fogg. <laughs> Jeff Karstens, Zach Duke. All right, that's our Bradenton Bucko Breakdown brought to you by Insert Sponsor here. Are we going to do this every day or? Yeah, when there's notable things yes. that happen in spring training. I feel okay. like we could spend seven minutes on the Pirates. Yeah. They play baseball. We're going to do it tomorrow with Priester. I love baseball. Look at me. Please Look don't. at me. Please don't stink. Please don't stink, Priester. Please. Up next. Penguins, if you fell asleep when they were down two to nothing, you probably woke up today like I did and went, Oh, Eric Carlson with the overtime game winner. Good to see from him. What's this mean about the Penguins before the trade deadline? We'll talk about it next before Doug Whaley joins us for a full hour at nine. Look at Eller flying right back in. He'll shoot. That's blocked. Garland overskates. Carlson keeps it alive. Puck on a string. It's Riley Smith to the net. Across Eller. Oh, what a save. Rebound. Score! Victory in Vancouver. And these Penguins got that passion. They got that heart. And down two of their best players. They have beaten the best team in the NHL in OT. Eric Carlson, the hero. Real quick before we dive into the Pens. Josh Getzoff is so good at this. So good at this. Really good. I'm happy he's on the TV side. Me too. So we can play his calls. Hell of a guy. He's worked hard to get to where he's at, too. That's how much... I have a lot of respect for him. Here's a little-known story about one Josh Getzoff that has to do with me, Doran Dickerson. When Bob Grove was no longer the post-game host and the pre-game host, they were looking to fill that position. I was interviewed for said position. Josh Getzoff got it. That's how he grew into the role he is in now. I would not have done that. There's the, They made the right hire there. But I was told I was second. That's what I was told. Big hockey guy you are. I would have done a good job with pre and post. For sure. And at the time, it would have been a, an upgrade over my current position. I, I would not have turned into a great play-by-play -play guy. You don't know that, though. I wouldn't have been him. It's not what I've wanted to do. Mm -hmm. If I ever wanted to do play-by-play -play, growing up, it would have been baseball. Really? Yeah. I find that easier because it's a talk show on the radio. For sure. You know, you, you weave the baseball game in and out. You hear Greg Brown and Wayner sharing stories. It's a talk show. Hockey is bang, 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 bang. 
He's excellent at it. So good. And they made, without question, the right call. And I'm now just wondering for the first time if they lied to me when they said I was second. Probably. Is that just something you say to people when you don't hire them? Yeah, especially young people that, uh... Yeah. Yeah. Never mind. Hmm. My confidence is now shaken. Doug Whaley joins us in 10 minutes. The 50-minute mark on the fan brought to you by South Hills Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Route 19 in Peters Township celebrating 50 years in the South Hills. So Carlson gets the game winner. The Penguins, dude... Scored a power play goal, five on three, and they won a game in overtime. And Eric Carlson is the guy who scores the goal. Where's this been all season? This is what the expectation should have been. That guy scores goals in three on three, sets up goals in three on three. They win their lion's share of overtime games and the power play scoring. The question, though, is this. Let's say they keep winning. Let's say they win their next five games before the deadline. But... They make no headway in the standings because they won last night. So did the Flyers. So did Detroit. Let's say they're seven points back at the deadline, but they've won eight games in a row. What do you do if you're Kyle Dubas? The standings would say you should be a seller. The way you're playing would say you should absolutely be buyers. What do you do? Man, I would sell Riley Smith because he doesn't want to be here from the rumors that we've been hearing. And that's it. I would stand pat. I would see what I could get for Riley Smith. And that's about it. I would stand pat. I think that's what they would do. I think Kyle Dubas is inclined to agree with you. The word he's used is respect. He respects these guys. When Elliot Friedman on the 32 Thoughts podcast was talking about this, he said that he thinks Dubas believes that this group has earned the right to still compete for the playoffs. Because he said it, because Friedman said it, I think you're right. I think they would stand largely pat. What I would do, you'd only have 21 games left, even though you're playing good hockey to win eight in a row. I'd still trade off Jake Gensel. I don't want to spend $11 million for six, eight years for that guy. I need to rebuild on the fly. He's your best tradable asset. I'd, I'd move on from him either way. And I would move on from Riley Smith. And if he were healthy, I'd move on from Brian Russ, but that's just clearly not going to happen. Mm-hmm. I'd consider moving on from Tristan Jari. Math would be against you. What about the games in hand? Yeah, that matters. That does matter. you got to take care of your business, but the Penguins have five games in hand on Tampa. Five! And you're, what, seven points behind them? So if you take care of business, now you're three up on them. They are, what, four games They have four games in hand on the Flyers Mm -hmm. and are seven points behind. So if you take care of business, yeah, you'd be a point up on them. But you do got to take care of business. They also have four more sets of back-to-backs, the Penguins do. I'm concerned about how that's going to go with an older team. You're the oldest team in hockey. If you if you, down the stretch, if you uh, if you have the momentum and you you keep playing the way you've been playing, that goes out the window. I don't care. I mean, if you're still if you're still of the ability to play at the age that you're at and you have that momentum and you know how important it is to keep that momentum, I, I don't think that that really matters. I think they just ride the momentum through that. They ride the adrenaline through that back-to-back. Well, and there'd be the added lift of adrenaline, too, because in this hypothetical, I do happen to think you're correct. They would hold on to their guys, mm-hmm. and I think that would that would be a nice welcome thing in the clubhouse. Like, I know Crosby told Rossi that you know, if they trade Gensel, it doesn't mean that he doesn't want to be a Penguin anymore. But I do think he'd probably, if given truth serum, tell you he's happy to have Gensel around. Yeah, if they don't sell and they're on a, a hot streak, I could see that being a big-time positive in the room. Yes. 
And I do think that's what would happen. I just disagree with it. Because 21 games left, 7 points back, the math really is against you. Even if you made it, what are you going to do? Are you really going to contend? Yeah, but you've seen teams get hot. We've saw the Penguins over the years get hot at the right time. We saw Florida do it last yeah, year. Yeah, you get hot at the right time. You don't know. I just don't think that they could win a playoff series with this roster unless Jari plays out of his mind or the power play is really good. Because their bottom six is going to get run over by the deeper teams in the NHL. And because they'd be the last wild card or they'd be third in the Metro, they'd have to play a team that's going to roll four lines. But here's the other thing. Part of the hypothetical is if you win eight games in a row, your power play's probably turned it around. Right. Yeah, I, I think rebuilding on the fly is still the best the best case scenario for this team if they want to contend for anything more than just a playoff spot. What do you think? You can text us 412-928-9370. But we got Doug Whaley in for the next hour. Holy cow, is there a lot to talk to him about? Bucky Brooks says the Steelers are a championship contender if they pay Russell Wilson 1.3 million bucks. Jerry Dulac says it's a terrible idea to get Justin Fields. Baker Mayfield's out there. There's a long list of free agents that have been linked to the Steelers. Woo! Full hour. A Doug Whaley next. Fan weather brought to you by Sun Chevrolet. Check out special financing for qualified buyers on new Silverado 1500 trucks. Today, high 62. Rain. Wednesday with Doug Whaley. Also brought to you by Ala Familia Restaurant's Blue Pearl Cigar Lounge. The perfect way to cap off your evening at Ala Familia. Doug Whaley, good morning. How are you, partner? Uh Oh, I'm feeling well, fellas. How about you guys? Not bad. I thought we were wonderful and great. That's what we said earlier. Has your mood deteriorated that much, Doran? No. Just not bad. Okay. He's doing not bad, yeah. Doug. What do I gotta not do? To, what do I gotta do? What do I gotta say to cheer this guy up? I guess you gotta tell him that uh, March Madness is right around the corner and more importantly, conference t- championships. You know what I mean? Yeah, hopefully pick and do something in those conference championships. I mean, they uh, last night they needed that game, Doug, and uh they didn't come through, so they're gonna need to figure something out if they want to get to the tournament. Yeah, it's disappointing because you see flashes, but the lack of consistency. And we all know in sports, at some point, any team can beat another team, but the good teams know how to stack victories and be consistent. And that's the something you just don't see in pit hoops this year, which is very disappointing, especially coming off the end of last year and what we thought they could build off of. Well, real quick then, before we get into the football stuff, because there's a ton of football stuff coming out of the NFL Combine that we got to get to, Doug, but Doran asked me this question yesterday, and we talked about it. Do you consider the season a disappointment for Pitt if they don't make the tournament? What we kind of landed on was no, so long as they can hold on to Carrington and Lowe for next year. Uh, I, I would disagree. I think the way they ended last year and the steps we've saw them take and then adding a Carrington and, a, and I just thought they would be that would propel them to even further success and I think for me the the biggest disappointment like I was referring to earlier is the lack of consistency because yeah. they have talent and they can do some things I mean to go into Duke and win to do what they did at in UBA that hadn't been done in years and to break their winning streak against ACC opponents at home that shows you they, they have something to them what is missing that they cannot keep that momentum going throughout the year and when you need it most, especially like a game last night when you needed it 
to be in that conversation of, and, and actually to get out of that last four in, last right. four out, to be that solidify yourself as a true tourney team. Doug Whaley joining us on the Fan Hotline, presented by Sullivan Super Service, providing trusted plumbing and HVAC service for over 50 years. Bucky Brooks, Doug, said that he thinks if the Steelers signed Russell Wilson for $1.3 bucks, that he would be a championship-caliber quarterback and that the Steelers would be a championship-caliber team. Do you agree with that? Uh, I do not agree because my follow-up question would be, well, why hasn't he been a championship-caliber quarterback at in Denver with Sean Payton, arguably one of the top offensive minds in football this last decade? Why wasn't he a championship-caliber quarterback in Seattle where their, their offensive coordinator just got a head coaching job? So what, what, what am I missing here, Bucky? Please expand. I mean, that's a great hot take, but and maybe he's thinking because of the defense that the Steelers will have, It'll be able to do it. It's just, it's to me. I struggle because if you put offensive coordinators up, Sean Payton or Arthur Smith, I'm taking Sean Payton. I so think Sean it's Payton mostly. Can't. I think it's mostly dug a commentary on the quality of the Steelers roster, and because he'd come so cheap, you'd even be able to further add to that roster. No, I I I can see that connecting the dots. I'm just I'm I'm struggling. For me, is to say Russell Wilson. I look at it not only now, but what, how is that helping your, your team in the, in, in the future? So how is that setting you up? So, okay, let's play this out. He comes in one year, has a decent year. They, get, they maybe even win a playoff game. Then is he going to still be, going, be able to maintain that? Or at his age, these guys are going to start to deteriorate. Now you're, another year of, de- of that defense is going to get older and older and you still haven't answered your long-term question about quarterback. So could they be competitive? I think so. Championship team, I would struggle. But in the long run, it blocks you for having access to a long-term answer at that position further years down the road because if you are a better team, you're going to be drafting lower. And when you draft lower, it's hard to find those long-term answers at quarterback. Well, Doug, how would you approach this situation if you if you were the GM of the Pittsburgh Steelers? I mean, you have Kenny Pickett. He had a, an offensive coordinator that was incompetent of his job. He fired the offensive coordinator halfway through uh, you know, his second year. Like, Would you sit here and look at this situation like, okay, there's Justin Fields out there. We could trade for him, and we don't really know that much about him, but we know he has intangibles. So we could sign a guy that is worth – $30 million in Baker Mayfield or Kirk Cousins, one of those guys that could come in and maybe enhance our roster or with Kenny Pickett. Um, do we? Do you look at it like he deserves this third year with a new offensive coordinator to show what his ceiling could be and to show what his worth could be? Is that how you would look at it? Yeah, I would look at it similar to what you're saying, but I, I, I would do this. I would add a veteran. It wouldn't be a high-priced veteran. But I would also draft a guy, and I've been on record of saying this, I would draft a guy as high as I feel that his draft position equates to his ability. And if it's at 20, absolutely. If it's in the second round, third round, yes. Because what you do is you – and then have a true competition. Don't have this contrived competition. Have a true competition where the cream rises to the top and whoever is the best coming out of camp they get it. But what that does, though, it sets you up for your second move. So if the vet wins it, then you have two young guys that 
whoever's that, that best out of that gets the number two. And if it's the new draft choice, you have him for longer. If it's Kenny Pickett, you know, the next year, you're going to have to decide, hey, instead of picking up his fifth-year option, let's just sign him to an, an extension, a three- or four-year deal as, as a elevated backup, but you can structure it where if he starts to st- – if he gains that starting position after a year or two, a bonus hits. And so there's ways you can do it to reward him if he ends up growing into that starting position if he doesn't win it right off the bat. If he wins it right off the bat, guess what? You have that veteran to come in if he gets hurt because that's something that has happened lately. So you have you feel comfortable there that you're not going to lose the season with a young guy that isn't ready to perform. And if, then after Kenny solidifies it, you have a young backup that you're paying cheap. So that helps too. So when you look at the macro, that's where I would go. If you do it the opposite way, you sign uh, um, Russell Wilson. He's going to be here for one or two, maybe three years. Then you've got to make a decision on Kenny, and you don't know about Kenny. So now you're going to have to go draft a guy that you may not know about because Russell's going to be playing. So now you're spinning your wheels, and you don't have that long-term answer. So And then if you go Justin Fields, you're going to have to give up the third round and then make a decision next year. And what if Kenny beats him out? So you basically, if I tell you right now in this draft, not a quarterback, your third round pick, you're going to lose in a year for nothing. And he doesn't play and you get nothing for him. You'd be like, that's a bust. That's a bad draft choice. So those are the things you've got to really think about it when you're in that GM and decision-making spot. Doug Whaley joining us here on the Fan Morning Show, which is brought to you by Armstrong Comfort with Matt Mertz Plumbing. Okay, so you, you talk about it from the general manager's perspective. I'm sure whenever you've been in one of these wild places that you hang out, Doug, you know, you're on a beach somewhere, you're by a pool, you're having a cocktail, you put your feet up. I'm sure you've put your your bottom in the seat where Ryan Poles is right now, the general manager of the Chicago Bears. What would you do if you were that guy? I would always go younger, cheaper, higher upside. Caleb Williams. That's what I would do. I would trade Justin Fields, get Caleb Williams, get some like, bevy of picks and build around him because, again, he's got a longer – because you've got a longer shelf life with the guy. And there's things that he has – he shows – let's put it this way. Let me start it this way. No pick is 100% guaranteed. But when you talk to people, and I've, done, I've looked at the film, he's the closest I've seen to a surefire guy that is trans, transcending talent, a wow. generational talent. So to me, you go with that because you still have questions. If let's put it this way. If they didn't have questions about Justin Fields, he wouldn't be 11-29 and 29 as a starter, and they wouldn't even be thinking about this. They would have traded the pick away. So I, if you're going to have questions, have question with a guy that you have a longer runway to figure it out than Justin Fields because they're going to have to do something with him next year. Doug, we're going to bring this back to the Steelers when we come back. Jonu Smith was released by Atlanta. People are saying it's an obvious fit clearly here with the Pittsburgh Steelers now with Arthur Smith at quarterback. We'll talk about that and kick around some other free agents that are out there, whether they might be worth spending money on as well. Doug Whaley continues to be with us until 10 o'clock. You can text us if you've got questions for Doug, 412-928-9370, brought to you by Edgar Snyder & Associates, a personal injury law firm where they always say there's never a fee unless we get money for you. You can tweet us, brought to you by South Hills Kia in Peters Township. Visit them at southhillskia.net. Austin Bechtold, one of our intrepid producers just traipsed on through here. He called the bald win-win over Mount Lebanon last night. They're moving on to play Upper St. Clair. 
at the Peterson Event Center on Saturday, and he looks like he's been on a 10-day bender. Yeah, he looks like he just flown, but just took the red eye back from Vegas. Yes, he does. His voice is cracking. He's got to do four hours with Starkey and Zeiss. He's got a five o'clock shadow. His eyes are all bloodshot. We like our youngsters here, though. Callis and Bechtold working two jobs and working them very well. Okay, we're joined now by Doug Whaley for segment number two of Wednesday with Doug Whaley. All right, Doug. Jonu Smith is out there. Tight end, formerly of the Atlanta Falcons, had 500-plus receiving yards last year in that one-two punch with Kyle Pitts. It makes a ton of sense for the Steelers to go after a guy like that, doesn't it? Well, hold on. Before we get into that, can you repeat what's that matchup at, uh, that's going to, that he's going to call? Baldwin-St. Clair. Oh. St. Clair, that's right. Okay, just making sure. And you they know. beat my boys, my Mount Lebanon guys, last night. Uh, that I mean, that's just what we do. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we, we, we play for championships. That's, hey, when we say the standards, the standards, it's not the Steelers' standards anymore. It should be Upper St. Clair standards. Wow. But to get to what you're talking about, I think it makes John who makes a lot of sense. I think what it does, it gives another uh, a veteran that is very familiar with Arthur Smith's offense that can be in there and can be help assimilate the rest of the offensive staff to what Arthur Smith's system is about. But more importantly, how he likes it done, being on the practice field, going through different things in the film room. This is how he likes it done. So it helped, you know, transition that, that offensive staff. But in all, then you add to the fact that it gives you an option if you cannot come to a deal with Fryermuth. It gives you somebody that can come in and step in in, in a year or two. Excuse me. If you if Fryermuth doesn't decide to sign or you can't come to an agreement. So that helps you with that, that next move. And lastly, tight ends are uh, quarterback's best friends. Dorn, you can attest to it. You, if you can have two tight ends there, especially with a, a young quarterback like a Kenny Pickett trying to find his way, or even a co- or older one like a Russell Wilson, they love outlets that are very friendly running backs and tight ends. So I think it makes a ton of sense. Doug, can you break down how the whole negotiation process, uh, for our listeners, how the whole negotiation process uh, goes for – Free agents. I mean, are you just talking and negotiating with the player's agent? Are you talking directly to the player at all? Is there any workouts that you have to put the player through before you sign them to a, a contract? I mean, there's probably a lot of things that happen throughout the, the free agency process before signing a player that listeners don't know. Can you kind of break it down a little bit for us? Yeah, it starts with the evaluation process. Obviously, uh, Sheldon White and the pro personnel staff have targeted certain players in positions that they have, they feel they have a need of. Then they get the all coaches involved and in saying, okay, if we like him as a personnel staff, where do you see this play, this player fit in our roster and give me the vision. Is he going to be a starter? Is he going to battle for a starter? Is he going to be a second backup guy? So you take all that information, then um, you reach out to the player's agent and saying, what, First of all, what what are you trying to gain from this free agency period? Be them an unrestricted free agent that their uh, contract just expired or someone like John Moon that just got cut. So, all right, what do you want to do? You're looking for a starting position, blah, blah, blah. So you kind of go through their criteria and fit, see if it fits what your criteria is. And then you start talking ballpark numbers. 
what are your parameters? What, what's the length of the deal? How much are you looking to be uh, upfront? What's your total guarantee? What, so, and obviously, they're going to start high. You're going to start low. But if you're in that ballpark and you really want them, you get them, then you start negotiating. But while you're negotiating with the, the agent, if the guy is free, you can bring him in and say, okay, let's come in for a visit. Talk to our coaches. Talk to our staff. Come and look at our facility. And more importantly, you got to get that physical. See what he has medically. Can he pass the physical? Because everything is dependent on the physical then. And then it's just full-blown recruiting after that. Because if you're close enough, you'll be able to come to an agreement. Now, what you have to worry about is who else is speaking in his ear? Who else is tapping him on the shoulder that may drive the price up? And the biggest thing you have to be able to do is to be really diligent with your numbers, as in you set your high mark, and if it goes past it, you've got to be able to say no. And sometimes you can't. And most successful times that I've been around when you're signing free agents is never go past your mark of money that you had put out there for him to sign. When Art Rooney II spoke to the media, the handful of people that he talked to, he used the word urgency for the Steelers offseason. And so they get a new offensive coordinator. But it doesn't sound like they're going to do anything at quarterback, Doug. Might that mean that they go after a big fish in free agency? And would you advise them to do something like that? Uh, I, I think it, it, uh, big fish, it, it, it would have to depend on me on, on the position. Because when you start talking about a big fish, you're talking about committing a lot of cap space for future years. And is that going to hamper you to be able to be flexible and nimble to do something next year or the year after that that can really put you in a position to make a run at a title? And when you're talking about big fish, I'm very sorry about that. I'm looking at a big fish. Are, are the Steelers a big fish away for competing for a title? And that's where I struggle, and I just don't know if they are at this point, unless you're talking a big fish quarterback, which those guys aren't out there. And if they are, you're going to have to give up a lot. So to answer you, the long way to answer your question, I wouldn't say a big fish, but I could say uh, a medium-sized fish that, that can bring some excitement to not only the locker room, the fan base, but put a little spark in that, in, in that locker room to say, hey, we're going to make a run for this. And maybe it is a John o. Smith. Maybe it is a, a nice corner. Maybe it's like somebody like a Kendall Ford uh, from the commanders that can play inside, that can play outside. Maybe it's a Lloyd Cushenberry, the center from, from Denver, that comes in and, and kind of solidifies that inside of that line. So not one of those Mike Evans types, but somebody that's going to come in and be like, hey, this guy's legit and he can help us take that next step. Doug, when we come back, there is a guy that hasn't necessarily been linked to the Steelers, apart from just fans saying that this is something that would make sense. But we do want to pick your brain about Legarius Sneed, the all-pro corner for the Kansas City Chiefs. The The talk is that they're going to franchise him and then potentially do a sign-and-trade. What might that look like? How hard is it to pull one of those kind of deals off? We'll get your thoughts on that coming up next. Uh, that's right, I said it. I don't know why I'm reading this now. Brought to you by Awaken 180 Weight Loss. Reserve your consultation today at awaken180weightloss.com. Doug Whaley in with us until 10 o'clock. Real quick, though, Dorn. Pirates probable pitchers today against the Tigers. Quinn Priester, Jared Jones, 
Aroldis Chapman, Colin Holderman, Dari Moretta. Nice. I'm intrigued. Yes. Tomorrow, you know who's making their debut? Oh, yes, I do. Against the Orioles, Paul Skeens. You think we'll tell the people about that on the Bradenton Bucko Breakdown? Maybe a little bit. Sponsored by Blank. Right now, Doug Whaley back with us. Doug, there are reports out there that the Kansas City Chiefs could franchise tag LeJarrius Sneed, the all-pro corner, with an eye to maybe do a sign-and-trade with another team. How hard is it to pull something like that off? What are, what's that process look like? So that process looks like is Kansas, usually Kansas City or the team that's interested will contact Kansas City and say, hey, listen, we would really like to have Ladarius need. What's it going to take? And that's when Kansas City said, okay, let's start talking about compensation package first. They got to agree on the compensation package between the two teams, and then the team that's looking to trade for him, they would grant him them permission to talk to his agent. Then you have to talk about compensation and, and the salary for that uh, contract that he will get once he gets traded. So you want all of that taken care of before you consummate the deal because the last thing you want to do is get give up assets to trade for Larius Need and not have a long term contract right. in place because then he holds all the cards and then you're 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 at his whim. He's, he's he dictates the terms. So you you're negotiating from a, a position of non strength if you do it that way. So you want to have those T's crossed, I's dotted before that deal is pulled, before you pull the trigger on that deal. Doug, could you see the Steelers trading out of the first round and accruing more picks, maybe like two picks or three picks in the second round? Could you see them doing anything like that? No. I mean, that, that's two things when you talk about trading down. And this was obviously when I was in the, in the business, and that was about seven to ten years ago. Everybody was, the analytics were in there and was like, trade down, trade down, trade down. But if everybody's asking, is looking to trade down, who are you going to trade down with? So you got to have a partner. And then secondly, then you got to look at say, what is the difference, the gap in talent between players we could get in the first round at 20 to let's say the third pick in the second round. If you believe that gap is minimal, then do it. But if there's a tranche there, then you're giving up a, a more talented player just to say, I got more picks. And those, and you may have more bites at the apple to get it right, but that apple you're getting doesn't taste as sweet as that as it would if you got that guy at 20. So to me, it all depends on how you develop your board and the depth of talent and where is that breaking point where it's not worth it. Doug Whaley with us here on the Fan Morning Show. A little bit of news coming out of Indianapolis, the scouting combine. Clemson linebacker Jeremiah Trotter says that he's met with the Steelers and Mike Tomlin. I've seen some people argue that inside linebacker isn't a position that you these days need to spend a premium on, uh, whether it be in draft capital or spending a lot of money to acquire one of those guys. Do you view it that way, Doug, or do you think inside linebacker is still a, a, a big-time need that you need to spend capital on? I think if, if it's the right inside linebacker, and I, and I mean by that you're talking about what I would consider almost a four-down guy, a guy that can play the run, that can cover, but also give you rush ability, and in a pinch, if you need him, and hopefully you don't, 
be able to play special teams. So he's got to be able to stay in on when it's sub, when it's nickel dime, when it's first down and it's base. He's got a position and he can impact it, the the play, impact the game versus the run, versus the pass, and as a pass rusher. If you can get a guy like that, then I would say yes, take him in the first round. If a guy that's only specialized in one, he's either a cover guy or a run stopper, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't spend the premium pick on one of those guys. Doug, what's the position that you think is the best uh, to transition from college to the NFL? What's the position that is like, all right, this position translates the easiest to playing in the NFL right away? Right away, right now, I'd have to say wide receiver, and 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 and, and then second corner, and I'll tell you why. I mean, I'm sure everybody's been looking at the what's been on the internet lately with Cam uh, Newton and uh, everything that happened. And I'm only bringing that up is because they have seven on seven leagues now. When I was in high school a long time ago, we would have seven on seven camp maybe once a summer. But when you look at it, that the that the, the advent of those leagues and how much the game has changed to a passing league where you're even when you're talking about peewee football they're throwing the ball so often and so much that the nuances of the passing game and running routes and reading defenses is taught earlier and earlier in someone's football career so when you get to the nfl it's not such a foreign concept and it's easy for them to hit the ground running so to me the transition for wide receivers and dbs wide receivers first and then db second has been accelerated just because of what football is today Doug Whaley joining us here on the Fan Morning Show. Fletcher Cox is a name that I know Pro Football Focus has linked to the Steelers. Christian Wilkins, DJ Reader, a pair of defensive linemen as well. Could you see the Steelers taking a guy like that, like one of those three, paying them money in free agency and ignoring that position in the draft? I mean, could they do it? Yes. Would it be advisable? I... I you're, you're getting a one- or two-year rental, and where, where is that going to help you long run? Is that person going to, like I said, get you over the hump? And that, that's my philosophy. If you're going to go out there and make a big splash in free agency, you're at that point where this guy is going to get us over the hump, as in either into the playoffs or make a playoff run. And especially when you're talking about older guys and older guys like that, yes, they can come in. You better have a plan on how to protect them during the year as in practice reps limited, but also more importantly, understand old guys get hurt and they get hurt at a higher clip than younger guys. So you have to play all that into factor when you're thinking about this. Would they help them? Absolutely. But again, I'm thinking, and, and from a GM standpoint, I tell you guys all this, it's not about this move, but how does this move set you up for your next move? Because if you do this move and it boxes you in a corner, then you start making desperate moves, and that's when you either overdraft or overpay, and you're more susceptible to make mistakes. Doug, we've talked to a number of Steelers beat writers that seem to believe there's a decent chance that Dan Moore Jr. is the team's starting left tackle next year. How do they let that happen again, man? I would say, let's put it this way. If you bring, if you take concerted effort to bring in competition and he raises his level of play and wins the job, okay. But you just, I, I don't think, and I hope they just don't say, we're not going to bring anybody in or we're going to bring someone in that they truly know won't push him 
just to say he's our starter. I think that would that would be a dereliction of duty, in my opinion. How do you feel about what they've done at center, Doug, where they cut Mason Cole earlier than they usually cut these guys? Like, I'm guessing they're going to go into the draft with at least a sixth guy on the offensive line that they would believe could be their starter day one. I just don't see them leaving themselves wide open going into the draft needing to get a center. I, and, and that's the way I think all GMs try to approach the draft. You try to go into free agency, and this is what we tried to do when I was at Buffalo, where you really have no glaring needs, and anything you get in the draft is just gravy. So I could see that, my, uh, like I brought up the guy uh, earlier from Lloyd Christenberry from Denver, getting a guy like that, that is a stalwart in the line and is a leader in the locker room, and he had that reputation coming out of college, getting that guy. So if you see something in the third round or the fourth round that's a young guy that you can with some position flexibility, then you can jump on them. And then also, when you go into a draft and you have clear-cut needs, you have a propensity to make these guys look a lot better than they usually are because of the need factor. And then you either overdraft or you, you draft wrong and miss because everybody looks like a 10 when they're really hmm. up 6 or 7 just because of the need factor. Yeah, we've all been there. End of the night, 2 a.m., last call at the OK Corral. One more segment with Doug Whaley coming up next. Final segment with Doug Whaley, the 50-minute mark on the fan, brought to you by South Hills, Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Route 19 in Peters Township, celebrating 50 years in the South Hills. So the Steelers talked to inside linebacker Trotter from Clemson, this according to that guy who was at the podium at the NFL Combine. I'm also seeing that they've talked to this inside linebacker from Texas A&M. So, Doug, you would know. Like, do these conversations mean that the Steelers are like really sniffing around an inside linebacker? Like, What are we to glean when we hear like the dozen or two dozen players that the Steelers have talked to this week? Well, it means that they are gathering as much information about these players as possible. Does that mean they're hot for them? I would say it doesn't mean that that's the position they're definitely going to do. But what you want to do is you want to get as much information on all the players. And there might be they're targeting certain players that they have either questions about or they feel they need additional information to make sure they have everything they need to be able to feel confident about the final grade they put on that player. And they're going to look at, even in positions that they may not need someone, that they, they're going to do their due diligence because one thing can happen. You never know how the draft board's going to fall, and there might be a guy that you thought was going to go much higher and you don't do the work on and he's staring you on the face and then you don't feel comfortable about doing the work. So, yes, they're going to look at all those players. And secondly, you want to do as much information, and, and Coach Tomlin does, says it all the time, because at some point these guys are going to become free agents, and then you have that information as well. So it's always about gathering as much information and being as educated as possible about every player at every position because you never know when it's going to come up and you need that. Doug, the most important part for you know the scouting staff and the coaching staff at the Combine is really the medical and the interviews outside of the drills on the field, right? No doubt about it, and, I, and you can start to tell that that's happening because you're looking at there's about three or four, I've been reading about three or four head coaches that aren't even going to attend them. 
because the film is so readily available. The day, the night that these drills are over, everything, every video director has those guys cut up and can send to the head coach, to the GM, and they can sit in their room and watch it. Because when you're live at the scouting combine, if a guy runs a 40, by the time you write his number down and you look up, the other guy's halfway through. So you really can't keep up with the fast pace of enough to really be able to evaluate the workouts. So these guys now are really starting to understand, I get more work, more valuable work done being at home and having that video director sending me that stuff that I can be sitting in the comfort of my office and being to truly evaluate those guys. Now, the, the interview process can be handled by the scouts and then the medical reports handled by the doctors and they get sent to the GMs and the head coaches as well. So this behemoth of the scouting combine is starting to really be tailored to the entertainment and to us, the fans, than what's getting really gleaned and the information getting from the people that are really needing the information, if that makes sense. It does make sense. Doug, I want to play a game with you, though. Can we play a game? We don't have a lot of time here. And the game is this. Yes. I'm going to give you a, a team, and you tell me what you would try to do if you were the GM at quarterback. Do you want to play this game? Let's do it. All right. You are the general manager of the Vikings. I'm general manager of the Vikings. Uh, I am letting Kirk Cousins go, and I'm trying to dr- get up the to- move up in the draft and get one of the top quarterbacks. Yeah, the Vikings have the 11th pick. How about the Buccaneers? Buccaneers, I'm bringing Baker Mayfield back. What if you're the Tennessee Titans and you've got Will Levis, but you've also got the 7th pick in the draft? Ooh, that's a good one. I would hold tight, and if one of those young guys is not there, then I would try to trade down, and if not, pick the best offensive talent that's available on the board. Atlanta has been, I guess, in on the Justin Field sweepstakes. They pick eighth. What would you do? If I'm in, I'm I'm trading up to go get one of the best ones. If I see in if one of the top guys I like is falling, I would try to trade up and get one of those guys. If there's two guys that I like that are there, I would hold tight and pick one at eight. All right, one more here for you, Doug. The New York Giants, they've got Daniel Jones signed to that deal. He was hurt last year, but they also picked sixth. Oh, you got to me, I would be trading Daniel Jones and moving up, and if you can't trade, I would I would do anything to get out of that Daniel Jones arbitrage of a contract and the player. Is he a nice player? Nice, but nice doesn't get it done in the NFL. All right, tomorrow on the show, Doug, Daniel Jones to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Who says no? What do you think? Uh, no, you got a guy that turns the ball over, gets hurt, and has not won in the NFL. What are we doing here? Thank you, Doug. This was delightful. We'll talk to you on Wednesday. All right, fellas. Thanks, care. Doug. See you, buddy. Good yeah. hour with Doug Whaley. It was very good. Great show today. Great show. Omar Khan speaks tomorrow afternoon, so we'll have that for you on Friday. Tomorrow, my two-year anniversary at the Fandoran. We're going to come up with a top 10 list of my worst ever takes. I love that. Yeah. Love it. It's going to be tough to narrow it down. Up next, Joe Starkey, Paul Zeiss in with him. Our guy, Bechti's going to be behind the glass. What a triumvirate that is. Fan weather brought to you. I was going to ask, what do you think of that word? But then that's way too Starkey. What do you think of the word triumvirate, Doran? Good word. Sorry. 
Fan weather brought to you by Sun Chevrolet. Check out special financing for qualified buyers on new Silverado 1500 trucks today. High 62. Rain. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.